Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of the Keel Podcast. I am your host, as always, Alex Keel, along with the Insider the Insiders, <laughs> Tyler Keel. Hi, everybody. The hell's the matter with you? It's been a long morning. It, it's 5.10 in the evening. It's been a long morning slash day. Why? Because, Alex, we got a live show coming up here in a few weeks. We got live show. Live show. Show live. The Keel Show. It's coming back. How, what does that mean? How does that make it a long morning? Because, well, this morning, so the video that we posted on our social media pages, which now include Alex, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're even on Twitch whenever we want to do our own live videos. All at the Keel Show. That's the at the Keel Show. The new handle. We had some issues with the actual uploading of it. I actually had to buy After Effects because my trial had ended, and so I had to get that. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't download it to a small enough file size, so I had to get Media Encoder to get it to be an MP4 status. And all of a sudden, it's like 2.45, and I said 3 o'clock, and I'm like, oh, crap, about to look like a fool. And, and then, uh, then, 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 it, and then it got better when I posted it, so it's all good. Looks good. Except on Facebook, where Facebook, the police, they're there, and they're just like, you can't play that song. <laughs> can't do that. Well, yeah, because it's copyrighted music. Even though Instagram's like, sure, fam, whatever you want, dude. Well, because that's Instagram. Instagram is like, it's if Facebook and Instagram were like brothers, Instagram is that cool uncle that gives you everything you want. And Facebook's just like, no, you can't have cookies before dinner. You got to wait until after you eat your steak. And then Those Inst- aren't brothers. That sounds like a father and son relationship. But here's the thing. Instagram's the kid that grew up around like a bunch of bros and just like bro doing, yeah just doing whatever he wants kind of thing or whatever and then facebook adopted his ass <laughs> and then um was like hey yeah by the way you can keep doing your thing but you have my last name now instagram facebook yeah or yeah it yeah, I guess that would that well what what would the last name be for Facebook? Or is it just one of those one person names where it's just like Facebook is the last name tie because it's the Facebook. The Facebook. So well, it's it now it's just Facebook, but it so used then, to be so the what's Facebook. so Instagram Facebook is related to the Facebook. Instagram is Instagram Facebook. powered by Facebook? I think, I think that's what, what it's called. No, we're not gonna no, get it's Instagram yeah. from Facebook. By the way, no, we're not gonna get a Snapchat. We are not doing that mainly because I'm never on it enough. Instagram is as good as it's going to get. So we'll do like stuff like that. But we'll get into that probably next week, more of how that's going to go. We'll still be recording the podcast or recording it like a podcast. But as of right now, we are still using the hashtag TKP at the Kewl Show on Twitter, Facebook, Tyler, and Instagram. hashtag TKP. Hashtag the Kewl Podcast. Not the Communist Party of Turkey. You know what's funny, Alex? Mm, what's funny, Tyler? Because as soon as I posted... Kate went on Instagram. Everything went live. Katie messaged me, by the way. She's like, okay. she's like, I like the logo, but really? She's like, she likes, I told her, I was like, I like TKP better. And I'm like, well, your boyfriend doesn't. No, I like TKP too. <laughs> it's just, it's bad. Just don't use the hashtag TKP. Just use hashtag the Kill Podcast, at the Kill Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. But you now know. it's at the Kill Show. On Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all of them are the same because we're cool and no, well, we're yeah, we're cool. Yeah. Oh God, Tyler. Hey, everyone else says it, so it's got to be cool. Of course, uh, also, this is also Alex. Our first episode on Twelve Ounce Sports. At least the podcast is at least. 
Yes, first episode on 12-ounce sports sponsored by MyBookie. MyBookie. Bet on all sports, win, and get paid. Use promo code 12-ounce sports and join free today. That is 12-0-12-O-Z-S-P-O-R-T-S. Join today and win. Win big. MyBookie. My, I don't know if they, you know what? We should, you're right, Alex. We should create a jingle for MyBookie. Yes, the jingle is MyBookie. Win. Or win. lose. Win and just have just win. have win just have win. coach around win. in the background win. 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 win 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 my bookie see there you go Alex we made twenty thousand dollars right there you know something I heard about my bookie is that they have some sort of uh, something in their software where they try to set you up to win your first few bets basically so they kind of like try to rig it I don't know how if that works or if it's just a, some stupid rumor. But I, I heard either it was MyBookie or some other site, and they do that. It's and pro- then, uh, and then, I think FanDuel was the one. It was either FanDuel maybe. or DraftKings. I know that was another one. Oh, could have been the bad. algorithm set up. I mean, of course, I mean, shoot. Because they, they don't want you to lose off the bat or else then you don't use now, the service. I know you haven't been to a casino yet, Alex, but I keep telling everyone the story of my Caesars Windsor experience. I got up 200 bucks, Alex, really quickly. Guess what? You lost it. It gone. I only lost 20 bucks technically. Because they only started with twenty bucks, but I walked out there with—I could have walked out of there with almost hundred times more than that, ten times more than that. Excuse 10 me, ten times. Yeah. Here's the thing: if I went to a casino or anything like that, I, I would pro- not let you drink. First of all, well, a I will drink whatever the hell I please. Well, then we're gonna—I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on to your card then. <laughs> and then also, well, I'm not gonna drink that much. Gosh, uh, they pump oxygen. You're reasonable. I'm reasonable. I've seen things. you hang upside down on a couch. Don't tell me you're reasonable. Exactly, when, Alex. When? <laughs> Wait, when you when you say hang upside down on a couch, you mean just like sitting upside down or like your legs the- your legs were on the couch and you were watching the game with your head on the ground. Not the Winter Classic either. The Winter Classic that was superstitious. I'm talking just cuz you were drunk on a Saturday night. I don't remember that. But it, that's probably it, that why. That makes a lot of sense. But no, I probably played great card. way to start I'd probably off play some sort of card game. That's what I was doing. I was doing three card poker. Had no idea what was going on. I just had my cards and I'm like do they have hold them at, at casinos? You can't get to a table. <laughs> blackjack, uh, blackjack, roulettes, it depends on the time for a roulette, but blackjack, Texas hold them, five-card poker, the real popular ones, everyone's at those tables. Yeah. And you have to buy into some of those as well. But Anywho, yeah. 12 on Sports Radio, we're glad to be a part of it, and obviously we'll be going live when we do our videos on there. We'll be doing the videos live on their social media accounts, which includes Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and all that good stuff. But, and also on their website, 12OunceSportsRadio.com. But we'll also, we'll put the video back up on our YouTube page as well. And we'll give links to it through our social media accounts. So just in case you miss us live, you can check out our pages as well, Alex. Yeah. We're going to be everywhere. Something like that. I'm, literally, I mean, if we could get the rights for it, we'd have Johnny Cash song. I've been everywhere, even though it has nothing no. to do with being social media accounts. I've been on Facebook, Twitch, oh, Twitter, oh, Snapchat, Instagram. And I, I, that's, I, I, that's about it. I would need a whole list, Alex. I, I would say that'd be an interesting song to hear Johnny Cash sing. Because no. unless you just give, like, no, live. Because unless he just thinks of cities off the top of his head. Because you have to, like, because have you ever, you've listened to the song, right? Yes. Yes. Where he you, just goes through all the cities. I've Been Everywhere by Johnny Cash. Yes, where he goes through all the cities. Yes, and he does it. I'm every just. Every time. I'm just saying, it's interesting, because what if you forget the cities all of a sudden? Uh... Tyler, Tuscaloosa, Tyler. what? If you, you, you if you pay attention to the song, all of the cities are written and put together to rhyme. 
Right, but I'm saying so that's is, why it makes it easier. But what if he went out and had a good, you know, had a good time with Jack Daniels before the show, and he just totally forgot what city he was in, and all of a sudden he starts ringing off random cities, and they're not in order, and they don't rhyme. Why would just, it matter what city he's in? Because the cheap pops, Alex. He's Johnny Cash. He doesn't. Ne- well, he was Johnny Cash. Rest in peace. Anywho, I'm just saying to be interesting. You're dumb. <laughs> I have Moral questions. Story. You know what, Alex? I would. Ne- you know what? You're right. This. This is. Uh, I am right. You're dumb. I'm calling this I'm right. I'm, I'm right. I'm calling Thank this you. the Kelly concept because I'm a fine driver when I'm by uh? my. Hold, hold on a second. I'm a fine driver by myself. Be careful about what you're about to say. <laughs> Kelly's in the car. I'm a horrible driver. I did the show. I'm smart by myself. I'm smart. I'm a genius. I'm awesome. You show up here and just ruin everything. I don't think. That's the Kelly concept or whatever you called it. I There's think, probably, you know, I what? think that's just your perception of yourself is far better than what people see. I'm just saying if you, if you just I had a brain fart, see this, I don't know. No, uh-huh. no, I have to yeah. email, I have to email, yeah. I have to email Don Bush. He was my psych 101 professor in college and he would probably, there'd probably be a term for it. Yes. Probably something that has to do with your perception of you being far better than what you actually are. Hey, you know what? You, sir, are a turd. You may polish the turd in your brain, but you are still a turd. Hey, you're not wrong. Anyways, we have some news this week. We do. Unfortunate news, but news. Which one do we want to go with first? We want uh, to go I'll with- let you take the first one because you're, you're a member of the media. Yeah, well, we technically we both are, but I guess I'm. I mean, the, I'm not really of the written media. I guess you can say because I do my stuff. With I mean, I just sit here and talk into a microphone. Well, yeah, and you're on the gram more than I am. Now I have to get on. That's well, the, the worst. No, part. no, no. Like we're talking sports media here. We're not talking about just like social media. Social that doesn't sport, count. Sports social media, social sports media. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does count. It's just not what we're talking about. The athletic. Okay. The economy, Alex, is a little rough right now. Those, stim- no. those stimulus checks have ran dry pretty quickly. Hmm. I still have a little bit of mine account, though. I haven't paid for everything. I almost bought a whole new golf set, which probably would have tapped me out of my stimulus check. But probably, I decided just get a. You just needed. You just needed to stop destroying your golf club. It's not my fault that my pitching wedge can still hit from 150 yards and still fly off the end of my shaft. That's really what happened on Saturday. 150 yards out. Anywho, put it two foot in the cup. Still missed the putt. Anyways, the athletic. They have finally succumbed to the economic distress that is this COVID pandemic. This past Friday, there was a memo sent out that they were laying off 46 of their writers, which is just about 8% of its staff. And, you know, it's tough because, and it's funny, our guests later on are both members of the hockey writers along with myself. So we don't have to fall to any economic issues because, well, we, we get paid our compensation rides on views. It's not like we get paid weekly. We get paid per article. We get paid on how many people look at us. Right. And so we don't really fall under the spectrum of we need to get paid or, you know, we need to cut writers because we can't pay all these guys. So I guess in some retrospect, it's probably the only time in my life that I'll ever say I'm happy. I'm not a paid writer or at least a heavily paid writer, even though technically I'd still be considered a professional regardless. It's still rough because there's a lot of great guys out there. The guys that were lost from the Pro Riders, ho- Pro Hockey Writers Association were John Glennon, Craig Morgan, Tom Reed, George Richards, Joe Yurden, Joe McDonald, and Ken Weeb, who I had the pleasure of chatting with a couple weeks ago, talk about the Winnipeg Jets. And 
you know, it's I mean, the, the nice thing about it, Alex, is that these guys, since they've worked for the athletic, is that there's no way they're not going to get a job once everything kind of settles down. Because these guys have done it for, I mean, these guys have shown that that's the, like, the athletic is the cream of the crop in sports writing. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, like, that's why they got hired by the athletics, because they go beyond, you know, just your simple reports. These guys are doing in-depth pieces, and I can give you the whole list of guys that's like, you know, like Don Lecision, and um, you have like guys like James Myrtle, Justin no, Bourne. I, 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 I don't disagree that they're good at what they do. I'm... These people will be fine. That's what I'm saying. They're They're, gonna. There's gonna be hardship for them, yes, and you know, there's gonna be their own personal stuff. But I mean, if you're good at what you do, someone's gonna call call you up or knock on your door. And don't forget, so a lot of these people, once the once the economy kind of settles off and kind of gets back to normal, whenever that may be, as I knock on wood, these guys can make it hired back. Laying off does not mean you're gone forever. It's just hey, we can't pay you right now and. Right. Since there's really no hockey to talk about, they can have people kind of cover. Because a lot of teams, Alex, that I've realized, a lot of teams, at least in the Sunbelt area and kind of like lower populated areas for the athletic, they only have one writer per team. Now you have the bigger cities. You have like Vancouver, Toronto, Boston, New York. You have multiple people writing about the Rangers, the Bruins, the Leafs, Montreal, you know, stuff like that. Right. So there'll be certain movements going around. Some people say, hey, I mean... There, I don't know if there'll be any promotions I'm interested to see. That's why I like following the athletic because I get the opportunity to see these writers on just about an everyday basis because I always get something in my notifications saying, hey, read this article from this guy, and I read it. And it's always good, always good stuff, even though people say, oh, my gosh, why would I ever want to pay for something to read? Because it's, it's more than just your simple reports and slightly editorial, you know, minor editorial stuff like that. Better than my stuff, Alex. A lot better than my stuff. That's why I say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, I've been I've been having a good run. My college hockey reports and my look backs on all the national champions. Ah, uh, yes. How did that go? Going back to what was it, nineteen thirty something or nineteen fifty? No, nineteen forty eight was the first year Michigan won, Alex. And now I am. This week is the nineteen eighties, which includes North Dakota dominating, Harvard actually winning, Lake Superior State's dynasty starting, which is still a phrase that I'm sure kids today are like, Lake Superior State, they had a hockey team. They still have a hockey team, but not not many people know. But back in the late 80s, early 90s, Alex, they kicked some serious tail. Well, didn't Cornell have a good run for a while? Cornell had Kenny Dryden, okay? That's an asterisk. It's funny because it was fun to do that and do all the research for it because you realize that Mike Richter is a great goaltender, Alex. He was a great goaltender in college as well. Kenny Dryden was 10 times better than Mike Richter. In yes. almost every facet. Yes. The, and I get it. They probably gave the Mike Richter award to Mike Richter just because it'd be too easy to give it to Ken Dryden. I put that in my piece. It would have been a couple weeks ago when I was talking about the 60s because he was so good. He, he, I think he still has the career best save percentage. His goals against average, I think, is six because back when Jimmy Howard was starting to come on with Maine and stuff, that was the hook and grab era, the clutch and grab era of college hockey. So the scoring was down a little bit, so it was easier to get a 1.2. Back in the 60s, where defense was there, but it wasn't. I mean, 1.46 goals against average, Alex, in college hockey, that's not good back then. And, and, you know, the numbers, I love looking at the numbers because guys would have, like, four point, like an average of three points a game in those seasons, like, just randomly, just because back in the 50s, goaltending was abysmal in college hockey. But Yeah, I mean, neither. but it, it is what it is. But neither here nor there. But 
definitely tough for those guys from the athletic. I hope, hopefully a lot of them, because like I said, not just hockey guys, football, basketball, baseball, so on. We could talk about why the baseball guys have nothing to talk about, Alex, but they were not a baseball podcast. Yeah. Because apparently, Alex, losing 25% of your $20 million salary is awful. Apparently, that's a bad thing, Alex. Making 20% of $20 million. Like, or excuse me, losing 20% of $20 million. Excuse me. I mean, at least it's not as bad as the outrage on the fact that baseball players can't spit. They can't chew sunflower seeds. Oh, that actually, that When w- they chew gum, they can't blow bubbles. Now, see, I... That would be... Outrage! Well, dude, that's always... Keep your saliva in your mouth. Your mouth? Yes. Oh, yeah, by the way, also for hockey, too. Well, that's... I mean, that's... All all the the goalies that spit, or they they slosh the water in their mouth and they spit, or whatever, it's part of their routine or whatever. Yeah, no longer. You got to break it. Two-minute minor for Braden Holpe for doing his water spray thing at the each and each and every period. Two-minute minor for that. Well, if he sprays it out of the bottle, that's fine. It's just, I, I'm sure. There's, but if it comes out of your mouth, yeah, no. There's got to be And some, also, that's probably not going to be a two-minute minor. That's probably going to be an ejection. There's <laughs> an ejection for blatant, blatant spitting on the ice. Yes. Blatant fab- I Listen, there's got to be some leeway with that. I think that's going to be no. something. Yes. No. Sorry. You, Alex, you, you have to understand. Health is better than health is more important than sports. I That's get why it. we shut sports down. I get we're it. We're bringing you, them back, and we're putting a lot of different rules and regulations on them. I get for it. a good reason. I get it. Why you don't want to like spit on the bench, spit in the locker room? I understand that, but you spit on the ice like you have to. When that saliva builds up, I mean, Alex, you've had some exhaustion. Swallow it. It's not comfortable, Alex. You've known it's like to go it's on baggers. It's not comfortable, but no, you do it. Because here's the thing, though, it's not just that player that's on the ice it's other players the referees other staff that have to walk across the ice the ice crews the people that do you know snow shoveling all that good stuff a lot of people come in contact with that ice i don't think the nhl has gone into that yet i think they should well guess what we're still about two months away from that well actually we're like a month and a half now well, they oh, should wait. take care of it sooner rather than later. I'm just so I'm there's just, there's gonna be some leeway. Just saying. I get it, baseball because well, they're just sitting in the dugout the entire time. Baseball is disgusting. It's a disgusting yeah. sport. That's the only reason why I would have gone back. Or at least now. the players are. That's they are so, there's so much terrible hygiene. That's the only reason why I would have gone back to play baseball so I could sit in the dugout, pitch to two thirds of an inning as a relief pitcher, and spit sunflower seeds the rest of the time. That's all I wanted to do. That's why calling baseball sucks because you have to, you can't choose some power seats while you're calling a game. You can't be like, all right, right next, number 24, Jose Hernandez, then 2 4. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. Don't ever do that again. Well, you didn't see Please it, thank goodness. Don't. See, that's something I don't do on video. Well, I'm trying to find a way to show. Ah, uh, yes. Don't do it on video. <laughs> Getting a live show. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Listen, we're gonna have to like rehearse how we're gonna do shows. But simple. I'm gonna show up wearing whatever I'm wearing, looking however I'm looking, and that's that. <laughs> we're if I a- cuss, whoops. <laughs> we're gonna have a dr- you're, you're not gonna cuss, so me God. Duh. It yeah. might happen. It'll be a left hook. And you better not drop any metal fingers up in the show like you did. Well, you see, Ty, um, <laughs> you, you might not be able to see it, but I may or may not be doing that right now. 
Well, that's fine, but they don't see it. Like the kids won't see it, man. Even though on YouTube we're not a kid. Why would kids be watching a hockey podcast show? Uh, because they want to, because they love the game and they think we're funny. I'm going to promote the hell out of this thing too. So everyone's going to watch it. It's going to be on every single person's YouTube channel. It's going to be promote up the wazoo. We're going to go broke on this marketing campaign. Alex, you're going to be part of it. You're going to go broke on it. I ain't spending a dime. Well, you know, I'm going to spend your life. But obviously, Alex, in order for us to get to the actual game itself for hockey, yep, we have to get into the phases. And phase two began last week. Yep. So what happened was um, they decided to go into phase two, and a lot of teams have start letting have started letting players get back on the ice. Um, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, I know that they said Zach Hyman. Um, I think Hull was another player, and William Nylander. Tavares. Uh, t- I don't know if Tavares was part of that session, but the Nylander Hyman well, session, there were the six players that were allowed to skate. Um, I think it was today. Right. And, um, and I, then, and then Tavares, uh, he did an interview with TSN where, I mean, just talking about how he's, you know, getting rid of the cobwebs and getting back on the ice and how he's taping his sticks at home. That way he can save time for, at the rink. Well, yeah, cause you can't be, I mean, you have to pretty much show up mostly dressed except for goaltenders. Oh, I mean, right. For goal, obvious reasons. Cause yeah, you can't, cause you, if there's any goaltenders out there that put their chest pictures on before they strap on their leg pads, first of all, you're wrong and stop it. Second of all, I mean, there's probably none, but it's good to see it. And of course the Edmonton Oilers tweeted out some footage of their skate, one of their skates yesterday. And I got really excited. First of all, I think there should be some way that everyone can do that. Now, granted the Oilers are actually at Rogers place at their home arena. A lot of other teams are at practice rinks. So for the Leafs are at MasterCard Center where there really isn't like a massive camera. But I'm just saying, if some of these public rinks have that live barn thing where they just have the camera that rotates back and forth, they should be allowed to stream that for free right now, I would think, just so we can watch practice and such, just so we have something. It'd be like, hey, watch Koskinen. That's some good form. He made a glove save that looked really awkward, and I got really mad because I'm like, that's bad form. I went full scale. Who cares? Me, Gold. I went full scale. Dustin Hoffman from Hook. He Bad hasn't ball. played hockey in how many months? You don't know that. Uh, hey, in Europe, it's most, been different. Most people have not been able to play hockey, or if they have, it's been at a completely different way of play. Sweden has been Sweden's ice has been open. Sweden's been allowing players. Well, yes, to because they have a lot of different regulations on this stuff. Which means Elias Patterson is going to torch the West. Great. It's going to be awful, but it's going to be great. Great. I, but of course, one of the big things, Alex, is that Calgary, Calgary Flames, maybe, possibly, maybe, possibly, who knows, may have their camp in the United States. Well, I mean, um, you have the link there, and I guess I'll open it as well. Well, the internet, so it's written by at Eric Francis, Eric Francis on Twitter. Not Ron Francis, by the way. No, not Ron Francis. Not Seattle Sockeye, Seattle Totem, Seattle Kraken, not Seattle Metropolitan's general manager, Ron Francis. Yeah, Seattle Metropolitan's uh, manager. Not the Metropolitan's, just Seattle. The NHL Seattle, the team that said they were going to announce their team name at the All-Star game, and that didn't happen, and then they said they were going to announce at the end of the season. That's probably not going to happen. And Anyways, Eric Francis writes about how that the Canadian federal government's current 14-day quarantine orders for those entering the country is kind of inhibiting, allowing players to get ready for the season. Well, you're going to have to do it at one point or another. Well, no. I, when, whenever the player 
gets into the states and or gets into the into Canada, that's gonna happen. But that's so, just Canada because the United States has allowed okay, so, so traveling. Are you gonna ha- but here's the professional thing, athletes in the United States have been allowed to come over and not have to wait. That's here's why. Here's the thing, though. Is every other Canadian team going to do this? It's because, interesting because a lot of because players... think about it, though. The players that do have homes in the States or homes abroad, they are going to have to come back to their team sometime. Hence why the Flames are looking at the possibility of having it in the United States. GM Tr- Brad Trilovine of the Calgary Flames said, quote, we've been looking at that for quite a long time. We're well down the path. The logistics have worked on for a camp in the U.S. if need be. I don't want guys coming back to Calgary and sitting on their butts for two weeks. I'm sure that's not how he said it, but I'm just going to put a little emphasis on it. Putting on their butts for two weeks in their condos and being out of shape when it's time to go again. It may make more sense for us to have camp in the U.S. so we can have guys together quicker and being productive. The quarantine issue is a big one, end quote. And this, well, the, well, this is what, this is what I got to say about this. As of right now, the NHL is talking with, I don't know where exactly they were talking, what city it was, but they're talking about with the Canadian government about a hub city. So probably like uh, Calgary or Edmonton or wherever, probably for the West. I don't think it'd be for the East, but if it was for the East, it'd be for Toronto, probably. Yeah, well, right now... because. The hub cities right now possibly are Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto. Those are the three that the NHL has identified. So of those three, great. If if you're in the situation of Calgary, this entire thing was for nothing. You're going to be spending a bunch of money trying to lease out or rent out this new facility. Grand Forks, North Dakota. If, If it's in North Dakota, great. I'm just saying, though. No, if, student, if the, if the hub city, well, and that's, and that's another thing too. Does the NHL want to have a hub city in Canada? Because then every single player that's going to play there has to wait two weeks before they can touch the ice again. Period. I, I wonder if Alex, they have to be like completely quarantined for two weeks. This is why. So hold on, we'll get to the. I'm not going to get. We're not going to get too political. But you wonder. I'm if not may, getting political. No, about no, it. I'm, I'm just, not. It's, no, I'm not saying you're being political. What's going on? I'm saying. You think Trudeau or something like that, the Canadian government would follow suit and be like, all right, you know what, maybe for this, you know, we'd you know, we'd put a wave on it or something, or for professional athletes, something like that. But Vancouver is also, according to Ian McIntyre from I think it was last week, also wrote that the Canucks have have thought about it as well. Maybe not as in depth, but they're looking at it and of course they can just go right down to Vancouver, Washington if they wanted to, which is right across twenty first parallel in order to have camp down there. Now, they're just discussions at this point, and that would be their full-scale training camp. Obviously, players are practicing on their own because don't forget, Austin Matthews and Frederick Anderson are still down in Arizona. Right. That, so, that's, just, that's, using that's, a Toronto, just using a Toronto reference, by the way. There's yeah, that, that's what players. I'm saying is, you know, these players that if they play for a Canadian team and they decide to hold camp or whatever in Canada, the they have to wait two weeks. That's why a guy like Nick Foligno who is staying in Canada up in Sudbury is actually going to be going back down to Columbus, but that's okay because he doesn't have to wait two weeks. Correct. So that's be interesting to see if the NHL is going to make any suggestions to, I mean, you know, to say, Hey, you know, to the Canadian, to parliament say, you know, can we get a waiver? Can we get a pass for these athletes? Cause here's the thing. They're going to have Alex. They're going to have that with the NBA as well. I actually, no, you're right. The NBA is going down to Florida. Pardon yeah, me. Yeah. Correction. I, I just yeah. remember that. They're going down to Florida. They're housing right. everybody at Disney World. Disney World. Oh, my Lord. 
literally because it's close. I, I don't know, dude. If, if, I don't know I'll, if it was recent though, but there was a, a video that was on the internet. It was a a video of uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the big uh, the Greek freak for Milwaukee Bucks. He there was a video of him riding one of the rides at Orlando or, or at uh, Disney World, and they had the caption of. Um, Giannis trying to get trying to sneak in a ride when NA, NBA players were told not to. I don't know if it was recently or not, but I just Dude. thought it was funny because it's it's this freaking tall NBA player how do you with miss longest legs, how, and he's in this small little car just riding around. How do you mention how like how in the world like we always I whenever Kelly says let's go to Disney World, I say no, I don't want to go to Disney World. Why is that? Millions of people. You'll, it's the lines are long. It's awful. Whatever. Imagine to these NBA players, a lot of them probably haven't gone to Disney World. By the way, they have the opportunity to have a closed off Disney World to themselves. But they're not allowed to go on the rides or anything. Who cares? Just walk around. That's the point of it. But they can't go see any of the attractions. They can't go to any of the different. What's Bush? They can't go to any of the parks. I think they're just going to be housed in the Magic Kingdom or whatever. That sucks. Imagine waking up every morning, seeing Cinderella's castle, and think to yourself, well, was, well, excuse me, it was Cinderella's castle at the end of the movie. But regardless, that would just suck. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I can't do anything. Has anyone seen Pooh Bear? At least that's what I would say, because, you know, I, I would need Pooh Bear to calm me down if I'm going to be in isolation like Oof, that. She's going to be okay. I can't do a really good I can't do a good Pooh Bear. Well, honey. well, now would we want, I forget the original voice of Winnie the Pooh, or do we want the guy that also voiced Darkwing Duck? Um... Oh, cats. This is going to hurt. Oh, brother. Oh, gosh. Voices of Winnie the Pooh. I'm looking this up, Alex. Oh, for pizza. Can we get back to hockey? <laughs> we will. Oh, oh, but yes. So, you're Jim, suge- you're- Jim Cummings. Well, Sterling Holloway was the original. Jim Cummings, it was the 90s one, 90s and onward. Great. That's Jim- not going to help me at all. I Jim- don't care. It's Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Jim Cummings, he pretty much was the, I don't say the golden boy for Disney, but he was one of their go to voices. Okay. <laughs> he let's put it this way. He he did he, oh gosh, the snake from the snake from Robin Hood. The one that played the snake in Robin Hood. The one that tried to hypnotize everybody. Yeah, I, I know, yeah. I, he I also know, Jim Cummings also that voice about. as well. Okay. Sorry. Anyways. That that was just my I was just But I was no, trying. I don't I don't think the Canadian government's gonna waive anything for sports because if you do it for one type of industry, then you're going to have to do it for a bunch of others. Well, I, I think for the because, sake, no, well, for the sake of the sport, they they. Okay, but here's the thing, though: the the industry of sports and sports management and athletics and all that kind of stuff surrounding it that is an industry by itself. So, if you allow the different little things to happen or in this it's not even little things if you let a bunch of people into the country that will get isolated by the way well not if you have this lift that you're talking about if you lift just for the players to come back just the athletes specifically stated you know they give you a list of all right these guys are gonna come back into the country just these guys so what about the coaches what about the personal trainers what about the athletic team staff is what i'm talking about alex i'm not talking about all right you're gonna said the players you said these list of athletes the the list of players and staff sorry not yeah you're right not the wives not the girlfriends just these people these people are only allowed are only ones that are admitted into the country yes just so so 50 people 
per team. No, because that's Alex, 24 teams. You're forgetting that these people, so, a lot of these players are already still in Canada, so it doesn't matter. You don't have to bring in 50 people. Not all of them are, though. Yeah, but it's not 50. The team limit's going to be 50. That's what I'm saying. Okay. You're thinking that moral every person this, is moving from the United States, moral, which is not true. Not, I'm not saying the United States. I'm saying outside of Canada. Moral of the story, they're not going to lift some rule just for sports because then they're going to have to lift the rule for other industries. Not necessarily. Yes. Because, okay, here if you're in business and say you have some sort of workforce members that you have in a different country, whether it be the United States, Europe, whatever, okay, you want them to come back to work, you need them at the offices, whatever, and then they get back into Canada, by the way, now they have to stay wherever they're staying for two weeks. They're not a leave. They're not allowed to leave. Well, the players are allowed to go back, and that's just some silly game. This is actual business here. Yeah, business is put on hold for everything, though. So can sports. Sports got shut down, though. Businesses have still been trying to operate. Sports are not it's- as important as to go against what governments have said that they want to do with it. I don't think it's going to happen. I know that it would be good for the game. It would be good for the Canadian government to try to bring in stuff and, you know, try to, you know, bring hockey back because it's a, it's the national sport of, among like lacrosse and curling and all the others. But let's put it this it's way. It's not going to happen. Amongst all the things that Trudeau's getting rest for right now, if he lets all the Canadian teams just leave the country, he's going to get a lot of flack. How? What sort of revenue are these teams bringing? TV rights. TV money. There's a reason why the NHL wants to play this year. It's because they're going to lose so much money if they don't have the playoffs. Okay. So, yeah, TV rights is one thing, but that's also going to be at diminished value. So, you're not going to, you're probably not going to get the full Here's value the of it. You're not getting any revenue from any sort of physical means because you're not going to be allowed to have any people there. You're not going to be able to allow to give out any concessions, anything like that. So actually having the teams play in Canada other than for TV rights, which by the way, the broadcasters and stuff probably are going to have to do it remotely. Eh, it's not, not true. It, it's a possibility. You have to admit that it's a possibility and you have to think in this stage of the game, every possibility is a valid one. I don't think it's going... I, Y'all said it, Babcock wasn't going to get fired, and guess what happened? He got fired the week I said, later. Yeah, I, you know what? I was wrong, and I'm completely okay with being wrong. Well, you're going to be wrong again, Alex. I don't think so. Here comes the Bombard people coming back up across the border. I'm going to sneak myself into Austin Matthews' truck because he's going to drive a truck through Michigan, of course, to get to Canada. He's not going to fly. Here's he's, the thing, though. If, if your argument is Trudeau's going to do this for political... It won't be Trudeau. It'll be poli- political, but yeah. Political. The Trudeau, government. Trudeau is a member of parliament because he is in all of those meetings because guess what? He's the prime minister. That's what they do. He's a member of that party. He's allowed to be, he's a member of parliament. That's how that works. Moral of the story. If he's going to do it for political gain, he's going to be, a, he's going to make a lot more people angry at him because he's going to let sports have certain amenities okay, fine. for them, but he's not going to let other industries and businesses to have that same freedom. You know it would be crazy, though, Alex? If you just repeal it enti- entirely. Whoa. I'm, just, if he does that, great. 
I mean, that's what, I mean. Then yeah. at that point, we wouldn't have to have this discussion. We wouldn't have to worry about some two-week quarantine for all the players and staff and all that good stuff. And then everyone can hang out in Vancouver, which I'm sure is eerily quiet. Well, I, actually, they're starting to open things up. We places, talk- places are not eerily quiet. Have you seen 28th Street over here? It's not I quiet. I work there. It's not quiet. I sell stupid people stuff. When I drive to and from Katie's and here, that it's not quiet. It's 28th Street. It'll be great when the second spike hits. Then everyone's going to be like, oh my gosh, we were wrong. I guess it's already hit because, you know, everyone's saying that all this, there's more, a bunch more cases that are going around right now. And to to what I, to which I say, okay. What do you expect? We expected this to happen. We've planned for it. We'll be fine. Just make sure you stay clean, wear your mask when there's a lot of people around. I mean, keep your head about you. Yeah. Don't don't. Don't lose your head. You'll just be fine. Don't just don't if start extreme, going. Just don't if, start hugging people. If you're extremely concerned, stay at home. That's the best advice I can. If you are really concerned about it, like listen, I literally gave up a job offer because I I live with Nana and she takes care of children, itty bitty babies. I'm not going to put them in that situation. So you know what? Joe's I four, almost four. Jack is over there. Lily is over there. Oh, Lily's over there now. Yeah, she. Oh. They bring Lily over sometimes. So oh. you know what? The places I, place I was gonna work at, they had an active case of COVID within a couple days of me getting the job offer, like two days before, at that at the facility that I was gonna be working at. And you know what? I was not gonna put my family in that situation. If you are that concerned about it, stay away from where you know that there's active cases or there were recently, or Stay at home. That that's the best advice I can give. It's you. a great idea. I'm going to stay at home and lose my job. Anyways, but well, you don't have to. I mean, that like it's an independent decision that you can make. I need to everyone. Pay. Everyone can make their own independent decisions. But if you have to go out and do something, then you have to go out and do it. I made. You a, don't have to play sports right I, now. I made a pretty good. Someone asked me like, "Why do you still work, Ty? If I hate your job so much." And I said, "Well, I need to pay for golf. That's the thing." God. Hey. Like I said, I didn't pay for my any new clubs, but I like golfing. Ah, yeah. How'd that? Uh, how'd that golfing um, that I wasn't a part of because I went to a bonfire? How did that go? Thirty-six holes, eighteen over. But you were behind a group of four for about an hour, and you broke your club. No, I was actually it was only a co- so I so I tweeted that out. I went out. I tweeted out that I was stuck behind a actually it was actually six a six okay a group of like nineteen year old kids. And they just. By the way, I didn't. I didn't see it on Twitter. Katie Katie's, told me. Katie told you because yeah. I'm not on Twitter. Yeah, because you're a loser. No, I just don't care. You're a loser. <laughs> so I, I came out and I was, and I'm like, I sat there. I finished the hole. Like, let's put it this way, Alex. I finished the hole before they had gotten to the tee box of the next hole. It was a par five. Thank goodness. They're like, hey, you want to play through? And I'm like, in my mind, I'm going, thank God. And on the outside, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess sure. If that's okay with you guys, yeah, I'll go through and birdied the hole <laughs> and they were just like how'd you do that and i'm like oh i don't suck <laughs> i mean i'm i'll admit i have some sucky shots i just you know get out of there quickly and stuff like that we should probably get to the interviews alex we have a couple today we do we have two interviews both from one, the hockey writers yes both the hockey writers one being mr jordan deshane he uh follows the buffalo sabers poor guy Poor guy. He 
You'll hear in the interview how his pain is. He lives right between. Hey, you're the guy that does uh, Montreal. So no, I did. Oh, well, you did. I did. Well, let's put it this way: at least Montreal's in the playoffs technically. Now Buffalo, he's right between Toronto and Ottawa. That's where he's at. As Sabres fan. Okay. We actually had some good chat with that. And we'll go to that interview right now here on the Cule Podcast. And now joining us here on TKP, smack dab between Toronto and Ottawa and Montreal and all the teams that are towards the top of the Atlantic, or at least in the playoffs, is a one writer who covers the Buffalo Sabres, who is a team that is nowhere near the playoff picture, but we'll definitely get into that from the hockey writers, pulling this one out of my back pocket. Ladies and gentlemen, Jordan DeShane. Jordan, how are you doing, sir? Good, good, Tyler. Thanks for having me. So, first of all, how, how are you doing? I like to ask my guests how everyone's doing because it, it is such a weird time right now that we're experiencing and, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime scenario. How are, how are things up there in Ontario? Well, where I am, uh, I mean, it, it hasn't been hit as hard as some of the big cities. Uh, my family and, and close friends, everybody seemed to be doing well, following the rules, doing what we have to do, uh, enjoying some of the nicer weather now. So uh, that, that's been good. All in all, we're, we're doing well. You've been doing anything outdoors at all? I mean, I've been golfing a couple of times and such like that. Anything that you're doing to stay active, I guess? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I spent a lot of time out in the garden. Actually, I just came in from uh, putting some fertilizer down in the yard. Uh, always got stuff to do outside. So uh, yeah, I love this time of year. You know, it's funny because I'm nowhere near being a dad and I live in an apartment complex right now, but I swear every time I drive, I walk by or drive by a place and I smell either fresh mulch or freshly mowed grass. I just, I love the smell of it. I mean, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm 35 and I should like own New Balance or something. So New Balance shoes or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm full out in dad mode now. My, my mornings consist water the garden, turn the compost, uh, Pick up the toys. Yeah, I, I'm an old 29. But anyway, that's how life goes, I guess. That is how life goes. And, of course, life goes on, especially now with hockey. Supposedly, at least there's a plan in place for the league to come back in Phase 2 coming here soon. Unfortunately, Jordan, the team you cover, they do not need to worry about Phase 2. They can just wait until next season. Unfortunately, that's the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, it's, in, it's such an interesting team. Because even though we are, my brother and I, we're Leafs fans here on the podcast, and we always enjoy, you know, being on Buffalo, but we always want them to do better because it's such a diehard fan base. I'm sure you can see that yourself, that there's such a passionate fan base for not just the Sabres, but, you know, the Bills and all the other teams in the Buffalo area. What is it about this team that makes it so difficult to cheer for them night in and night out when there seems like there's potential, but they're just not able to capitalize on it. Well, I mean, when you call them an interesting team, that's definitely one adjective. Uh, there's a number of other adjectives that stream to mind at this point, but the problems it's, it's all throughout the organization and it's, it's been coming to a head for the past few seasons. It's becoming more and more obvious um, early on. Uh, Darcy Regeer, uh, back in those days, mentioned there would be some suffering as the team was going to try and rebuild, sell off pieces, get draft picks. Uh, they drafted Sam Reinhardt, knew that they still needed one more, drafted Jack Eichel. Okay, time to go. 
and just been spinning their wheels since. And it, it really started to become apparent this season just how uh, bad things were throughout the organization because previously all of the problems had been on the ice. And that's frustrating to deal with as a fan. This season, the problems could be seen off the ice, and they were well covered uh, by us of the hockey writers and, and just about every other outlet that, that covers the team. Uh, not having the, the greatest arena, not upkeep, uh, not upkeeping it, um, misspelling alumni names on jerseys, um, not having proper sweaters for alumni on those nights, missing deadlines to have uh, a special sweater put in to commemorate your 50th season. Uh, like the Vancouver Canucks, they, they had some awesome, awesome sweaters this year to, to commemorate some of the past seasons. And, and Sabres fans wanted to have uh, the, the black, red, and white sweaters, the goat heads, as they call it. And uh, the, the team was thinking about it and missed deadlines to get it put in so they didn't uh, get it in in time. It just seemed like there were issues top to bottom and it, it, it just, it began to spill over when, when you see issues on the ice, if things off the ice are solid, it's a little bit easier to take because you can't control everything that goes on on the ice. You're competing against other professionals who are paid large sums of money to beat you. When you are losing things off the ice where you're just competing against yourself, that's when it becomes frustrating because you're, you're looking at the situation. What is going on here? How are all of these things going wrong? We're not competing against anyone but ourselves, and yet they were failing miserably. So it, it, to be honest, having the season shortened, I don't know if there were many Sabres fans that were really too upset by that. It, it's strange because, you know, you talk about a team that's having so many management issues, and we kind of touched on earlier in the show about the Ottawa Senators and their foundation. Of course, Eugene Melnick. I mean, you're right down the road from the sense, so you kind of have an idea of what, you know, what it's like to have a team that, yeah, struggles on the ice, but a management staff that's just an utter disarray. What is it about? I mean, is it just, was it just this season that it really came to head? Because the Pajulas, I mean, they came in with a lot of, you know, a lot of money and, you know, a lot of spirit, I guess a lot of passion for the Sabres. It just hasn't worked out. Has it been coaches? Has it been GMs? Obviously, there's plenty of talent. Well, I don't say an extraordinary amount of talent, but the pieces are there on the ice. Is it the ownership? Is it the general manager? Where does the big fault line fall with the Sabres? It's, it's, that, that's the thing. It's just it's completely obliterated. It's everything throughout the organization. The ownership has failed to be able to have the right people in place. And uh, that, that's been seen uh, when they had, uh, the fans have been asking for a president of hockey operations, someone to hold the general manager accountable. And uh, they tried that with Pat LaFontaine, him and Tim Murray did not see eye to eye. It did not work out. It was a very short uh, marriage there. In the meantime, uh, the general managers that have been in have not been uh, capable of putting enough talent into the lineup. Tim Murray made lots of moves to bolster the forward group, adding uh, Ryan O'Reilly. It was as if he forgot there was a defense on the team. And, oh, yeah, not to mention there's a team in Rochester that I don't think he knew existed. So 
all of a sudden Jason Bottrell comes in and we're going to build this thing right from the right, right from the foundation up. We're going to have success in Rochester and that's going to emulate up to Buffalo. And he brought in some solid pieces in Rochester. There's definitely much more concern uh, for that part of the organization. They were able to build it up. They were much more successful than during the Tim Murray years, but yet here the team still sits with not nearly enough talent on the top end. The defense improved, but to do so, they had to get rid of a lot of the offense. I mean, it's been it, it's been hit to death the Ryan O'Reilly trade and just how awful it was, and it's it's cursed this team. It's set them back because they were. They were set up. The spine of the organization was set up having Jack Eichel and Ryan O'Reilly down the middle. You are set. And after moving that for a bag of magic beans that turned out to be nothing, they, they have almost nothing from that trade. It's just set them back so far. So, I mean, ownership has been there and they have not put the right people in place. They don't have the right kind of organizational structure. And with the off-ice uh, stuff that we talked about. They don't have the right people in place to make sure that the stuff they can control is controlled and is handled properly. The general managers, like I said, they haven't brought in enough talent. They haven't uh, been able to to bolster the offense. Ever since Jason Bottrell got started on here, it was, we need to build depth and scoring. And every trade deadline, in every draft, that's the same line. And yet, here we are. It's still Jack Eichel and everybody else. And I mean, even at the coaching level, um, Ralph Kruger has done a, a lot of great things in hockey. He's a great communicator, excellent leader, very engaging to listen to. Uh, but the job that he did with the Sabres was, was not that strong this year. Uh, a lot of questionable decisions, uh, some, some very strange methods that he went with. Um, I actually just wrote an article about it that came out on Friday about uh, some of the way that he, he deployed the forwards, and it, it was uh, it was strange. He's he's got these top end talents that, when you look at the analytics and some of the deeper numbers, um, Jack Eichel scored at an excellent rate, best season to date. But the chances that he generated, uh, based on the time he was on the ice, was like a third liner in the league, and and so it. <laughs> it made me think of Ralph Kruger, the coach of Team Switzerland or Team Austria, and that's how he decided to attack the Buffalo Sabres. He went all team, national Austrian team on them. Everybody just play conservative, play safe. We'll try and grind it out and see if we can get a win. And this lineup is not built that way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the problems have been top to bottom. It's, it's incredibly funny because I remember when they made that hiring, because everyone, people remember how bad the lockout year Oilers were when he coached them, the thirteen, the 2013 season I'm talking about. And then obviously it didn't work out, so they got rid of him because, man, the team was worse than when Tom Rennie was there, which is something to say. But then he comes out and does this amazing tournament, the World Cup of Hockey with Team Europe, a team that had no business. I mean, they were better than the Czech Republic, but still had no business being in the final, but they brought you know took hockey back 25 years and it worked but then again that's when he worked with superstars this is the buffalo sabers where you can argue that a couple players are in the top tier give or take but really the only superstar they have on the team is jack eichel who by the way was playing against europe in the 
I remember in those preliminary games in Quebec, but I, I just, I don't quite understand why they make these, like, I mean, it's, it's tough because like, like I said, we go into the season, like Buffalo is going to get better. And the beginning of last season, the 18, 19 year, when they won that many games in a row and my goodness, when, when Toronto and Buffalo played and it was almost like the biggest game of the season at down at, uh, is it first Niagara center? Or they changed the name of that again. I forget the name of the rink now down there in Buffalo. It changes every 25 days. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? It's we're all the only reason why I'm pretty sure Pajula hasn't put his name on it is because he put so much money into Penn State putting his name on that one. So I'm pretty sure he's only good with just one rink. But it's it's tough to have higher expectations because, like you said, the the, the team the way the team is deployed, it's tough. And I just I wonder, is it? I mean, would a coaching change be better? Would I mean, because they've tried that before. I mean, they thought Dan Bilesma was going to be the rejuvenating coach. And obviously we realized that wasn't going to work. Phil Housley, a former player, that's going to help. That didn't work. Is it going to be the coaches? Does they need better talent? What will it be? What will the Sabres have to do and kind of turn this franchise around? Uh, all of the above. Um, when, so when the Pagulas came out... <laughs> When the Pagulas came out uh, a week or two ago, whatever it was, and said that uh, Jason Bottrell was going to be back, um, I mean, I'd, I'd like to say that I was shocked because, I mean, he's not done a great job. He's inherited this team. And, okay, maybe the first year you're bad, but we've had three full seasons, and they've just been bad. They haven't gotten better. Um, but at the same time, it's it's everything's uncertain, right? And uh, so it's I guess it makes sense to to keep him uh, in <laughs> from their perspective. Um, try and think of all the names of the people that they're paying to not do anything right now. Uh, Tim Murray, um, even Rex Ryan uh, with the Bills. There's a whole list of people that they're paying to not coach or not manage their teams anymore. So um, trying to keep a couple more names off of there, I guess, makes sense. Um, but, uh, then they also said that all of the coaching staff is coming back, which was kind of puzzling. So now it's, it's, all right, we're coming back with a very similar, um, very similar brain trust as last season. How are things going to be different? It's, it's vital that this nine months or, or whatever it's going to be between games for the Sabres, that the coaching staff takes the time to go back to the drawing board and really really do some soul searching, figure out what they need to do differently. Um, because there's only so much uh, that, that the general manager is going to be able to do this off season. They have a good amount of cap space with contracts coming off. Um, but at the same time, they have a whole slew of uh, restricted free agents to sign. They also have uh, some pretty big contracts coming up next season with Rasmus Dahlin, Henry Yoki Haru. So they have to be careful there. They will have the ability to add uh, an impact player in free agency, but they can't go crazy. So a lot of the onus for this offseason is going to come down to the coaching staff and specifically special teams. Because this power play uh, this season, it cut off to a roaring start. And all of a sudden, it became predictable. And it, it just fell. They fell further and further down. They began to struggle and uh, they were towards the bottom of the league in, in power play efficiency. And there's no way that should be happening with the talent that they have. When you can try to 
Jack Eichel, Victor Olison, Rasmus Dahlin, Sam Reinhardt, Jeff Skinner, and like you know, they're not they, they might not win you tons and tons of games, but the power play, those guys should be able to click. And the same on the penalty kill. They struggled so hard on the penalty kill. So uh, at five on five, defensively, the forwards, uh, they, they were coached very well. They were all Austrian national team there. Uh, they were able to play conservatively, keep things safe. When it came to special teams, that's where this team really, really fell apart. So, I mean, I'd like to say that the general manager needs to make some big changes. Whether or not he can or will, I don't know. Um, I, I think that the main onus of this offseason is going to come down to the coaching staff and being able to see how they can adjust, how can they do things differently, and whether or not they will. Um, I, I mean, one thing that I, I think the general manager can do is trade their first-round pick. Right now, they're slated to pick seventh. Uh, the most likely pick that they'll have is eighth. If they're in that range once again, it's time to trade that pick to get something to help them now. Um, they've picked uh, no lower than eighth every draft since 2013, and they've gotten nowhere from that. So I, I think that this is the time, if that's the range that they pick in, to trade that pick, try and find a team that is going to be up against it with the cap. If the cap doesn't rise, it stays flat. There's going to be teams that are struggling. Maybe there's teams that are going to take this is kind of like one last final push. They don't make it. They're going to break up the team a little bit. They, he needs to be able to find that, <laughs> find that team, find that general manager, and and <laughs> sell that pick like he's never sold anything before. Because doing that, if he can bring in a second line center, a legitimate uh, under contract young second line center to take some of the pressure off of Jack Eichel that would be a tremendous step forward. I know there, there's going to be a lot of teams, you know, obviously we still wait to see what the cap's going to look like. Obviously the NHL is waiting to see what happens in the playoffs here, what kind of money is brought into the league. But you mentioned Victor Olofsson, and, you know, I just remember, because the nice part about following every almost every team on Twitter is you get to see... You get to see how the games go. You see highlights. You see the goal announcements, stuff like that, because you're not able to watch every game at once. Unfortunately, we don't have projectors or 100-inch TVs to have picture-in-picture among picture-in-picture, but I kept seeing his name pop up. Victor Olofsson, power play goal. Olofsson, power play goal. Olofsson, power play goal. I'm like, this guy, I'm like, does he score any other kind of goal? I mean, he really came on, and this guy's going to be an RFA next year, and I don't see this guy making anything less than with two commas in that contract, Jordan. Yeah, um, it, his contract is going to be very interesting for them to sign. Um, at, at the start of the year, all he was was a hired gun on the power play. And, I mean, that was fun. It was great to watch. But 5-on-5, five five, he really didn't have much. As the season went on, he really began to uh, get his feet under him, get used to it, get the battle going in the corners, and he started to round out his game a bit. And you can see the growth there. There's, there's lots of potential. Um his, his style of game, he's kind of like a poor man's Patrick Line. He's got a wicked, wicked shot. Best shot on the, in the organization. Better than Jack Eichel's shot. And he uses it, and he does it very effectively. But the defensive part of his game is uh, it's lacking. So he's kind of, like I said, that poor man's Patrick Line. 
there's, there's basically, as I see it, there's a couple different ways his contract could go. They could uh, say, well, you know what? That was a great rookie campaign. Not really sure what we've got here. Let's sign him one year at, I don't know, four million, something like that. Maybe. Um, or they could just say, you know what? Let's try and lock him up five years, five million, and, and just get it done. And I think that that's probably the best route to take. Um, you've seen this guy. He's been in your organization since 2014. Seen him grow. He's really blossomed into something. And um, if they could get him locked up to a little bit longer term, four or five seasons, I think that that would be the smart way to play it. You try and uh, and play a little chicken and, and put the pressure on the next season. He goes up and lights it up for 40 goals. Then you're in a, a very difficult spot. So uh, Olison, he, he's a great piece, um, a, a nice complimentary piece that can put the puck in the net, which for this team is invaluable. And uh, if they could get him signed four or five seasons at a, a reasonable cap, which I think they could, uh, that, that would be the smart way to go about it. And he, I mean, it's, it's good to have that kind of talent and getting cheap talent, especially in today's NHL with the salary cap, it's extremely, extremely important. And, but it obviously it all starts up with the guys that are making the big bucks up front. And you have Jack Eichel, which is going to be Mr. Consistent. You don't have to worry about him because Jack Eichel, my first ever Leafs game I went to would have been the 15, 16 year Eichel's first season in the NHL. And we were sitting 10 rows up at the, Air Canada Center then, because that was the year Leafs stunk, so those tickets were only 100 bucks. Now you can't even get top row seats at Scotiabank for 100 bucks. But we went to the game, and first thing I did, Eichel touched the puck. I yelled, McDavid's better, and get a few cheers, and that was it. But I watch Eichel, and every time he touches the puck, he has that dynamic that you have fear. It's And there's only so many players in the league that whenever they touch the puck, you're scared. Eichel, McDavid, Crosby, it's a little different now because he does so much more away from the puck that makes him dangerous. But he's Eichel's in that select class that whenever they have possession, you know something big is going to happen. Oh, man, it's it's exhilarating. Uh, for me, like you mentioned, I'm, uh, I'm kind of out in the nowhere here between uh, 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 Toronto and Ottawa. So that, those are the places I normally go to watch the team. I'll try and get up to Ottawa once a year. I'll try and get to Toronto at least once a season. And uh, it, it, you're right. He'll pick up the puck behind his own net, and he just goes. And it's, it is, it's something special because he's, he's got a wicked shot, great vision, and uh, an effortless skater. He just skates like the wind. It's, um, it, it's such a pleasure to be able to watch him on a nightly basis to see these, these things that he does with the puck. It's incredible. Some of these goals and yet they get buried because he's playing for the sad sack sabers. Uh, I, I, I mean, he came out in the media, uh, last week, two weeks ago, venting his frustration. Of course, every media letting in Canada picks it up. And, and then of course the rumor starts rolling. Eichel wants out. You know, but I don't see that happening. I think that, you know, he's committed to the city. He wants to stay there. He wants to be part of the solution. And it's just, I can feel his pain. The guy is excellent. One of the best in the world at what he does. And he just hasn't been given a, a, a supporting cast to be able to do it. He's, he's carried them to um, <laughs> where they are, which is still pretty sad. But without him, I, I couldn't imagine 
what uh, this team would look like. It would be uh, it'd be a pretty sad situation. It's extremely tough, and we kind of saw that not this year, obviously, with the Oilers, but last year with Connor McDavid and the Oilers. It just looked frustrated, exhausted. And, you know, he signed through 2026, and a $10 million contract is almost impossible to move unless you have a lot of cap space, and not many teams have that much room to move him. And, of course, the Sabres are trying to build. But at what point does an athlete who's playing for such, you know, who's a big-time player, a, su- a superstar talent, can do whatever he wants and could definitely make a championship team better, at what point does, you know, do they snap and just say, I do want out? Like you said, Eichel wants to be in Buffalo, but if this continues much longer, would you blame him for not wanting to be a Buffalo Sabre? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know what? I, I could totally see it. The guy is such a competitor. His team, like the Sabres, normally by the time March rolls around, uh, they, they are long gone. They're an afterthought. And in that time, they'll have games against the Leafs, against the Sens, against the Bruins, against the Habs. And he loves to win those games. I mean, everybody's seen the highlights of, of when uh, the least faithful fill Key Bank Center and, uh, and he scores the goal, goes right up to the glass, gets right in their face. He loves it. He's, he's got that competitiveness. And it's just, I, I can't see it going on for forever where he's just happy to you know, be collecting his paycheck and, and eating chicken wings his whole life. I, I don't see him being happy with that. The guy is a winner. Um, everywhere he's been, at, uh, I mean, when he was at BU, at Boston University, he, he led that team. He was a, a, a freshman. He was the, the captain. Team USA, captain. The, the guy is a leader. He's a competitor. He's not going to want to do this forever. So the, the pressure is on big time. This season, I mean, I guess the, the same can be said for a lot of teams in the NHL, but this season's a pivotal one for the Sabres because this has been looked at for quite a while as kind of the, of the big offseason where a lot of bigger contracts are off the books. There's some flexibility. There's an opportunity for Jason Bottrell to really put a stamp on this team. I mean, he's put all kinds of stamps all over the place. Those, those stamps have been returned to sender. They haven't worked, but... This is an opportunity for him to, to, to really build something here. And like I said, he's got that first-round pick. I mean, if he, does, if he doesn't win the lottery, use it. Trade it. Find something somewhere to build a competitor because you're right. You're not going to keep this guy forever. If you go out and every year are getting 65 to 85 points, that is not good enough, and it's not going to cut it for this guy. And we're you know going into a little bit of the supporting cast, and a lot of pieces obviously moved this year, and obviously there are going to be some free agents, unrestricted free agents, in fact, for this hockey club. And there's four that are all up front. All the UFAs, with the exception of LTIR guys such as Vladimir Sabotka and Matt Hunwick, I'll ask you the, about these. Actually, these five players, excuse me. And I'll and I want you to answer sign. Or not, I'll say sign or not sign. I'll say these five names and give a brief description on your decision. First guy, we'll start towards the bottom. Made one point five five this year. Johan Larson, sign or not sign? Sign. This guy, I, I, I'll tell you, I had grown tired of Johan Larson. He's been with the team forever. They never won. This guy is solid defensively. He could move up the lineup if need be in a pinch. And he really showed his true colors this year. 
If they were to move on from him, they would miss his defensive acumen. They should bring him back, absolutely. Zemgis Gergensens, former All-Star. Sign or not sign? <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, Zemgis, uh, his name means the one who eats lions. That guy, uh, it, it, again, the same with Larson. If he can come back on a reasonable contract, the line of uh, Larson, Oposo, and Gergensens was beautiful for the Sabres this year. Eichel line's always fun to watch. This line was solid defensively. They'd always win the puck, always win the battles. Um, I mean, they would get chances in front. Every shot would go in the goalie's crest, but they would still own the puck when they were out there and take the pressure off that line. They can keep that line together. They should absolutely do it. Next one's going to be a guy that did not want to play for the national predators of all teams. And he held out just to go to the New York Rangers. Now he's still in Buff or still in New York, but in Buffalo, Jimmy VC sign or not sign. Jimmy VC is a tough one. Uh, they, they've traded two third round picks for him. The first third round pick didn't uh, end up with anything when they traded for his rights, but the second third round pick seemed to work. Uh, this season, he, uh, I just did a, a bit of a deep dive on this. Um, he didn't, he didn't perform nearly the way he needed to offensively. Um, but he was, he was pretty sound defensively and especially on the penalty kill. He, he was strong. Um, again, he, he had to uh, completely abandon any offensive game uh, to do that with him. I see his contract being a little bit too expensive and uh, for the role that he plays with the team, I would be willing to move on. I, I would, uh, I would pass on him. And a guy that just came over to the team this season, got traded over from Calgary, Michael Froelich, $4.3 million, sign or not sign? Oh, my goodness. Not sign. He was probably the worst player on the team, unfortunately, after the trade. Um, being able to have the, the room that they, they gained by trading Marcos Gandela for a fourth-round pick, who was later traded for a second-round pick, but anyways, uh, they had that cap space and they used it on Frolik and Frolik seemed lost out there. Um, analytically, he was terrible. It was, uh, it was just, it was a brutal move. It did not work out in Buffalo and he should absolutely not be back. Yeah. It's funny. Cause Calgary was such, I mean, they were, I mean, that's a playoff team and you, you fit, he fit in that system for the most part. He just with the $4.3 million and having guys like Kachuk and Goudreau making all the money, they had to move him, but you know, moving in a different system. It's kind of tough for a guy, especially going to a team that is selling. Tough spot for him. But a guy that was also moved in a sell move, I mean, a team that was selling to another selling, is the new market train himself, Wayne Simmons. $2.5 million, unrestricted free agent, 31 years old. I mean, you love the guy, you love his spirit, but is he a guy that you want to keep around? I mean, it depends, again, on the contract there. If he wanted one year for for one or $2 million, then maybe as uh, a nice leader for the locker room, that kind of thing. I don't have a whole lot of uh, confidence in his game. Looking at it, it's gone downhill the past few seasons. Uh, and uh, I, I mean, he's not the Wayne Simmons of 2010. If he was, then absolutely. But uh, at, at this point, I would think that you're pretty safe to move on from him. Yeah, the Wayne train. I, I always love the guy. He's such a hardworking guy. And you know, he's almost like, a classic, like, let's put it this way. If, if Wayne Simmons played in the seventies, Don Cherry would have traded for him. He like, he's that perfect kind of player that he's just tough, physical, him, it, it, the rock him, sock him videos would have been, Oh, you know, I'd guy like John Winsink and Wayne Simmons up front battling that that's where he would have been. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is too, uh, 
dude's got skill. I mean, front of the net presence, power play. Um, he, he, he was excellent. Uh, not for the Sabres, of course, but, uh, in, in previous seasons, um, he was an impact player and, I think maybe that was a popularity move for the fan base. Oh, we got Wayne Simmons for anyone who hasn't been watching hockey for the last five seasons or so. Maybe that seemed like a really cool idea. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it depends on the contract. If he wanted to come back one season at a, a cheap deal, then maybe. Otherwise, yeah, unfortunately, I'd, I'd have to move on. So we're going to kind of dive into, I guess, more of the development side here for the Sabres. First thing we want to talk about is the goaltending. I remember when Carter Hutton signed on before last season. I thought, man, that's a big move. He's ready to become a starter. And for a whole two months, it looked like that was true. And since then, it's kind of gone a little south. And it's almost like now Linus Allmark has really stepped up since coming up from Rochester this year. He's an RFA with arbitration rights. Does Buffalo, despite being, you know, a team low on the totem pole in the NHL, do they have themselves a goaltending controversy? Um, well, it's a, a controversy in <laughs> mediocrity, maybe. Uh, I mean, Allmark looked better this season. Still, all things considered, he's probably a low-end number one um, would be great as a tandem goaltender if they could get someone else. Carter Hutton uh, had possibly one of the worst goaltending seasons I've seen uh, for a Sabres goaltender in quite some time. He was a fringe backup when, when you look at his numbers. And actually, when we talk about some of the issues going on in the organization, there was a, an article that came out in the Buffalo News today about uh, Carter Hutton having some issues with his eyes during the season, uh, not being able to track the puck properly. And, I mean, if the coaching staff... And the general manager were aware of this and kept trotting him out there for his 14 losses in a row. I, I don't know. I, I don't even know what to say at that point. But, I, I mean, Carter Hutton, uh, the, he seems like a great guy for the room, again. Uh, that's what all of his teammates and coaches say. Um, if, <laughs> if we're going to not consider that as important as some people do, then they should absolutely try and find a way to move on from him and, and bring in another goaltender. Um, Linus Hallmark, like I said, would be great as part of a, a tandem, uh, 1A, 1B, if they could find another goaltender. At this point, though, I would say it's Allmark's net. Uh, he's the goaltender that they want to ride with. And, uh, if Hutton can be a good soldier, get his eyes fixed and, and maybe be able to, to see a puck and stop it, then, uh, they, they might have something there. Uh, this, this season of the goaltending really let them down. Um, didn't score enough goals, but they played pretty well defensively, but the, the goaltending is, is something that really kind of limited what they were able to do. It's interesting because down in Rochester, and Rochester, by the way, before the season got canceled, had had themselves a pretty, pretty good season. They finished second in their division against some pretty good competition, and their goaltending tandem for the most part, if I'm not mistaken there, Jordan, was Jonas Johansson and Andrew Hammond, the Hamburglar of all goaltenders who is still kicking in the minors, which for, you know, myself in 2015, it was just fun to watch. But I mean, is there really any goaltending prospects? I mean, I personally, cause I followed the OHL last couple seasons. I was so excited for Yuko Pekalukkanen to finally make it to the pro level. I'm like, all right, here he goes. He was dominant in the OHL. He led Sudbury last year. This is going to be the guy of the future for the Sabres and ECHL. <laughs> 
yeah, I, I mean, for goalies, it's it's kind of different, right? Like ECHL, if you're a forward and you're you're playing second, third line, the ECHL, that's not great. Um, for goaltenders, they being able to see pucks, it's it's important. So, I I'm myself, I'm very excited for UPL. I think that uh, that he's going to be excellent. I was actually able to see his very first game uh, here in Belleville. Uh, they, they came towards the end of last season and that was his first professional game guys, huge, very athletic. And, uh, he, he played solid and he has all the, the makings to be something special. And I think that they just want to kind of bring him along slowly. So he spent uh, a significant portion of the season, uh, with, uh, Cincinnati, the Cyclones and, um, started to gain some confidence there. Uh, obviously with each step of the way, it's a little bit different. Uh, the defenders play differently. The shots get a little bit harder, a little bit higher. Um, so I, I see that this upcoming season, uh, he's going to be a big part of what the uh, Amherst do in Rochester. And um, I, I would imagine their goal is to have him play there the entire season and then maybe try and, and make the jump the next season. But I see them just kind of slow playing it. I think that they've got something special there. They don't want to ruin his confidence. They don't want to call him up too quickly. Um, but he could follow a fairly similar pattern to Carter Hart if, uh, in, in Philadelphia. If he can uh, get into the American Hockey League next season, really uh, get himself established and, and continue to grow, he can be a very special uh, part of, of the organization. And, and they've got, too, uh, Eric Portillo, uh, another nice prospect uh, who, who played uh, excellent You. USHL this season. So they, they've got a couple pieces there. They're, they're going to be a couple seasons away, though, most likely. I have high, like I said, for Luke and I, I have high hopes for him. And it, it's always interesting because, you know, being being from Grand Rapids and watching the Griffins growing up, even in the IHL days, the AHL, it's it's always funny because you're like, man, these guys are still here. And I hear Mrazic's first pro year coming out of the 67s. I remember opening night, I'm thinking to myself, okay, here we go. We're going to see Peter Morazic. And opening night, the Griffins come out with Jordan Pierce and Thomas McCollum. And I said, that's it. The season's over. He's because he started in Toledo and he just made that jump. And I think he's one of, I forget how many goal, I think it was the first goaltender, I think, in NHL history. I have to check my records on this to win his ECHL, AHL, and NHL debuts in one season. So I guess, you know, goal, like I said, goaltending development is just so strange. Yeah, goalies are voodoo in general. <laughs> um, I, I mean, personally, I would never want to pick one very high in the draft just because they're so unpredictable. But uh, yeah, as far as Luke and him being in the ECHL, I don't, I don't see that being anything to be concerned about. It's just a regular part of the crazy, weird roller coaster development path that goalies take. Is Casey Middlestat a bust? I, it's a t- I know it's a tough question to ask, but he had so much promise coming out of the junior ranks. Is he someone that the Sabres have kind of given up on, or has he just not been able to get the right cards handed to him? I personally am uh, I'm ready to move on. Um, he is someone who I, I was able to watch him a couple times, uh, again, uh, when Rochester came to Belleville, and uh, just he was so good. He'd get the puck, he could fly up the ice, but then other times he'd just be invisible. Um, the guy's got supreme skill. If the entire game was a shootout, he would be an all-star. Um, it's just the, the rest of the production, the defensive game, the, the grit is not there. And it's funny because there's, um, even looking at his stats and how, uh, in, 
high school and college and, and how they would translate to the NHL. Uh, there's a, a stat by Mason Black, PNHLE, and uh, it, it looks at what a player does at a certain age, at a certain level of hockey, and how it would translate to the NHL. And, and his was always very low. And even when he was getting lots of rave reviews and, and people saying he's a top prospect in hockey, those numbers were still pretty low, and, and he's really struggled. Um, but the unfortunate part for him is that they made the Ryan O'Reilly trade with the thought that, oh, you know what? Casey Middlestead's here. He'll be fine. He can play that role. And he just wasn't ready. Um, being thrown into that, it, it was a disaster. If there is one thing they could do, um, I, I wonder if they could get him in the NHL on the win. If they could try him there, not at center, take away some of that responsibility and just let his creativity flow. See if there's something there. Um, but otherwise, at this point, I, I think that he might still have enough cachet in the league. He could be a, a piece that I would move in a trade if they, if they were able to get uh, another prospect or, or an established player. Um, but with, with the way he's looking right now, it's, it's not very positive. But one piece that looks positive, at least the fact that he was a high draft pick, the first ever UConn native to be drafted in the first round, Dylan Cousins, and... I remember watching him in the WHL and saying to myself, this kid is, he has the potential, but we've said that so many times before, especially with, you know, with not just Buffalo players, but there've been so many players that have been taken high in the first round that just kind of go to the wayside. Eventually does is, I don't want to say Dylan Cousins is the next hope for the Sabres, but is that a guy that you see in the NHL next season? Or do you see him, but down in Rochester, where do you think Cousins will end up? Well, for next season, given his age, his only options are to go back to Lethbridge or or play with the Sabres. Oh, I forgot. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, so for him, going back to Lethbridge at this point um, would not make sense. He, he was down there and just he was excellent this season. I, I, I don't see any way that he's not with the Sabres. The, the only thing that worries me I mean, being able to, to see him, watch him play. I mean, at the World Juniors, he was phenomenal. Big, rangy kid, lots of speed, tons of skill, hard shot, uh, all kinds of potential there as, as a, a top six center. But do they put the Casey Middlestead tag onto him and say, okay, we don't need a second-line center. We got Dylan Cousins. If they do that, that could be the death of him. I don't know. It, it could be just too much to take at this point. It, it's a huge responsibility. Now, I, uh, saying that, at the same point that what I was talking about earlier, the PNHLE, his is uh, about double what uh, Casey Middlestats was at the same point. Uh, I, I was digging into it a little bit, and he's following kind of a similar career path as um, like a William Nylander, Nazem Kadri, very similar projection. I, I could see him next season coming out and, and, and finishing somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 to 48 points with the Sabres. If he did that, that would be a massive, massive win uh, for them. Uh, he looks like he could fit the bill. If they could get a proper supporting cast and not put too much pressure on him, he could absolutely have an excellent season and be a big contributor for them going forward. Well, and one problem with a player like that with Cousins that he needs the minutes to get going. You can't just put a guy like him and say, all right, we're going to put you on the fourth line, put you on the third line, 
play some granny minutes, get some D starts. I'm like, that's not his strength. I mean, you know, he's not the biggest guy right now. He's what, 183. I I feel like another year, and I think you need to put some weight on. If he gets up to the 195, 200 pound range, he will be a dangerous man on the ice. But he would oh he would definitely need those minutes though in order to really really flourish in the NHL. I would say. Yeah, and and I think that the way they can do that is putting him on the wing to start. Just get your feet wet, get used to the speed, get used to the size, and and get used to the battle. I mean, Nathan McKinnon, he started on the wing. He wasn't always the center when he came in the league, and and for a number of players, sometimes that's what needs to happen. Just getting used to things, uh, you know, getting your feet under you. If, if he can, if he can get used to that and and transition to center in a year or two, uh, that that could be the way to bring him along. Takes off away some of the responsibility, but allows him to to get those minutes to be able to play with the skilled players and to really hone his craft and, like you said, build his mass, uh, build up the muscles, and uh, become that much more of an effective player. I mean, you really do hope that a guy like him does come up here soon because obviously Buffalo fans, they'll be there. You know, they'll, no matter what, I mean, shoot, the Bills Mafia is still one of the biggest things, and that's a team that, now I'll be honest, the Bills may actually have a chance to win the division now that Brady's out of it, but I digress. But how patient will Buffalo fans be? And by that I mean, how long do you think this rebuild will go on? This is a team that, like I said, has talent, has potential, but it's the, the, the organization, the front office, hockey ops, that seems to get in the way. Is it with that, with the current regime in place, is it too difficult to tell how long this rebuild will take? Or is there, like, at this point, you can make some sort of premonition and say, hey, this team will be good in 2023 or 2024. Is that what this team is looking at? Or is it just too too chaotic to tell? With the current state of affairs, it is it is way too difficult to tell. Uh, one thing that isn't difficult to tell is the patience of the fan base. There's no way a rebuild should go on this long. Um, I, I mean, I remember being excited towards the end of the, of the 2013 season thinking, Oh man, we're going to get a top 10 pick because that, that just, that hadn't happened for them in quite a while and, and picked risk line in. And like, that seems like forever ago. And yet here we are, we're still spinning our tires, still picking eight every season. The fan base is fed up because, like you mentioned, they continue to show up. You look at the TV ratings for games in the States, and, I mean, the Sabres haven't – it's not as if they've been close to the playoffs. They've had a sniff of the playoffs over the last decade, and yet the TV ratings are so high in, in, in Buffalo. The, the fan base loves hockey, and, and I watch clips of uh, some of the, the games from their runs in, in 05, 06, and uh, you see the fan base, the party in the plaza, just the, the passion is there. And, and it fueled them for a few years. Uh, at the beginning of this streak of suffering, it, it seemed like, okay, you know what? We, we just had a good run. We're going to build back up and get there. And the, the patience is not there. Um, as far as the coaching and general manager, <laughs> to be honest, I think that the, the strange circumstances we find ourselves in are, are what saved the coach and the GM. Um, I, I don't see any way they could have brought Jason Bottrell back uh, after going into the trade deadline. Oh, we want to play meaningful games in March and then lose seven, six or seven, whatever it was in a row right after that uh, to plummet down. 
even given the circumstances, there's still no way he should really be back. But anyways, here we are. The This next season's massive. If they don't make the playoffs, um, they I, I can't see any way that, uh, that they'll be back. They'll have to clean house. They'll have to start over. And I think that that's what has fans most concerned. Uh, when Tim Murray was let go, Jason Bottrell was brought in, and it's okay. We're going to be patient with this. And as difficult as it was to hear that, it's like, okay, well, we, we you know we might have to wait another season or two. If we have to do this again, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they're they're going to uh, they're going to lose a large portion of this passionate fan base. Oh, either that or Dwayne's going to just lead a group of people with pitchforks and torches into the into the in the key bank center, <laughs> <laughs> just yelling and screaming and such. Yeah, I mean it's it'll be. I mean that's still the best thing ever because when I when I heard that bit, when I heard Dwayne with the call and everything, all I could say was, "Yeah, I get it." <laughs> I mean, it's just. That's that's something yeah, I, I do. I know, but, oh, go ahead. Yeah, listening uh, listening to it when I when I first heard it, I said to myself, "Man, these are the things I scream at myself when I drive around in my car." Dwayne spoke for so many people that day. Oh man, it's 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 good to know. Hey, it's good to know that you still have passionate fans like that. I mean, I I don't know. Is he the is he the Steve Dangle of Buffalo of Niagara Falls? Is that what that is? Now it's almost you almost wonder. <laughs> Um, he does have, it's funny, you know, I think he has his own podcast too. I forget what it's called, but, um, I know he's, he's out there now. And I, I did look up his Twitter earlier and it said, I love how, you know, people like to play off on their 15 seconds or 15 minutes of fame or whatever. And it's, I yelled into my phone once at a guy and a bunch of stuff happened. I mean, Hey, I mean, that's how it is. Right. Um, but you talked about the, the jerseys and the sweaters for the 50th anniversary, the, the black ones, the, 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 the uh, what was what do you what do the Sabres fans call it the running goat ones or the mad goat ones the, the goat head the goat heads <laughs> see I I'm curious because I mean you've been a Sabres fan and they they are wearing you know for for very young fans they only remember the blue and yellow sweaters people like you and I who are real hockey historians love the black I love the black and red ones I when they went back after the lockout in the 07 season, when they came back with the blue and yellow, the slugs, I was like, why are you doing this? I mean, what was wrong? I liked the black and red ones most. Which which Buffalo sweaters, their uniforms, did you like the most as a Sabres fan? I mean, growing up, uh, it was it was the black. Uh, those were the ones that I had a kid of the 90s. Um, I, I mean, this season coming up, they're, they're switching back to the royal blue and gold, which fans have been clamoring for uh, for a couple of seasons now. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do there because those colors are beautiful. The originals, um, I mean, it, it can take the uh, sad play that they have on the ice and maybe make it a little bit more uh, palatable. But uh, for myself, I would love to be able to see those, uh, those goat head jerseys come out as a special third sweater or something. Uh, just uh, you know, bring back a lot of memories, and and it, w- it would be pretty cool if they did that. What is your take on the red sweaters, the cross sword sweaters? Did you like those when they first came out? Did you would you ever want to see them back on the ice? Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> living where I lived, I, I always wanted to buy one, and uh, at that point, you know, I was a kid, and I, there was none <laughs> anywhere out where where I live. But uh, and it's funny talking with some of my friends uh, that aren't Sabres fans. Uh, they, they always talk about those. Oh man, those sweaters are always awesome. Uh, yeah, myself, I, I always liked them. 
I, I've, I mean, it's, it's funny cause I'm a, I was born a Detroit Red Wings fan and now I'm a Leafs fan cause I kind of grew into that when I was in middle school and such. And I'm like, man, two franchises that sweaters are just the same forever. I mean, the Leafs briefly, I mean, they changed their logo minorly and the wings, I guess, sort of did as well, but there's not many teams out there that you can say that, you know, you want a different Jersey. And that's why when the Coyotes came out with the, uh, they're saying that they're going to wear the Kachita sweaters for the playoffs. And I said, I'm like, all right, cool. Who are they playing? They're playing, I think they're playing Chicago. And I'm like, great. It's going to be 1997. It's the Jeremy Roenick rivalry all over again. Or not, they're not playing the Blackhawks. But if they ever did, it'd be great. Because I love like looking at 90s jerseys and thinking like, man, that'd be cool for them. Just have like a 90s night across the league and just have everyone wear their mid-90s sweaters and like even the ugly ones, like the flying mighty duck one. That's the one I want to see back on the ice. <laughs> well, the, the old purple ducks, that, that one's a beauty uh, for sure. They brought that one back and even the Canucks, uh, the, the one that they had this year, the, uh, the, the black, the skate, sweater, the uh, skate those, blade ones, whatever yeah. they call them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Those, those are a great look. Really the nineties were, uh, I mean, there were some disasters in there, but uh, all in all, it's a pretty good decade for sweaters for sure. And then you're talking, yeah, you talk about a disaster. And there was one faithful night in the shortened 1995 season where the Anaheim Mighty Ducks with their flying wild wing sweaters took on Wayne Gretzky and the Los Angeles Burger Kings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is footage of that game. And that's just like, if you ever want to, in a time capsule, if you're like your grandkids or your great kids say, hey, grandpa, how bad were the 90s? You just show them that footage. That's all you need to do. <laughs> Come to this dark corner of the internet with me. We're going to show you how bad, how bad things used to be. And the fact that the back then in the nineties, that's when the one, three, one and the slow, the hook and grab era came to play. And, oh, nineties were a great time. Nineties were such a great time. <laughs> I'm sure Sabres fans are saying that's great. And that is one thing that I always chuckle about watching those games from the nineties, watching, you know, the, I can watch the Steve Shields Garth Snow fight a thousand times over because it's just wonderful. Because Rick Jenner is my fa- is my probably my second or third favorite broadcaster, depending on the day. Because Joe Bowen's my first, and I either have Ken Ka or Bob Cole or Rick Jenner. Like they're solid, tied for second or you know two A two B because I love them. And it's funny to watch those games because you have to remember that when Kyrian was built or when First Bank was that First Niagara Center in Buffalo, when that rink was built, it was built to house the blue and gold Buffalo Sabres, blue seats and everything. So when they changed their colors, their sweaters, they're like, ah, crap, we didn't really think this through, did we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you see that now. Uh, it, it was funny, back uh, this season, they celebrated the odd, and they had odd night where they covered uh, all the seats with T-shirts to, to mimic the colors of, uh, of the old Buffalo odd. And it, it was really neat. Um, I could see why they wouldn't want to do that because uh, on TV, when you have bright yellow seats and you can, all you can see are these bright yellow, bright red seats and, and nobody in them, it's not a great look. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things that they, they did that actually was kind of cool this season. Well, I remember the first year Little Caesars Arena was open. The wife and I went to watch the Leafs play there, and you saw two colors. You saw blue and you saw red, about 75% blue and the other red. Not because of Wings fans, because the seats were red, and they that's why they've changed them to black since then. But once again, Jordan, thank you. We're talking with Jordan DeShane of the Hockey Writers covering the Buffalo Sabres, and 
God willing, Jordan DeShane still covers them after hopefully a better season this year. Jordan, thank you once again for coming on. We'll definitely put a link to Jordan's profile here in this week's episode so you can follow the Sabres with him and follow them to wherever they go, whether it be good, bad, or ugly. Jordan will be there giving you the best content talking about the Buffalo Sabres. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Tyler. All right, Jordan. We'll talk to you later. Great interview, Ty. You did good. Oh, yeah. yeah thanks. Did good. Jordan, it's funny. That was Jordan's first time ever on a podcast, apparently. Hmm. He wouldn't have been able to guess. He's a really, really nice guy. And I wonder, Alex, what's your take? Do you, would you like to see the, they go back? They call it the, the angry goat or whatever, the, the crazy goat, the Buffalo Sabres, the black and red ones. I like those more. Mm, see, one. That's it, just probably because I, I don't grew think up, it like, looked like a goat. I think it looked like a buffalo. It looked like a buffalo. At least it didn't look like a slug. Those awful. Listen. I'll just oh the the those like neon kind of yellowish ones. I'll just tell you this right now. With had the royal sa- blue. had See, the Sabers the, the made colors it- were good. The logo was not. Had the Sabers made it to the finals that year, people would try to crop out the logo whenever there were highlights after. Because that <laughs> it's funny because uh, there was a, I think it was Jordan. There's a couple other guys. No, Jordan did write the piece about the game five win against the Rangers that year in the second round. It was when it was Maximum Fanaganov's goal in overtime after they came back. The 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 net, then the first Niagara Center was going crazy, and it's such a classic game because first Rick Janert on the radio was just amazing. That's why I mentioned in the interview with Jordan and. And I think about that, and I'm just like, man, it's such a great moment. It's so awful that those are the sweaters. That's why I'm glad the the brawl in the, on my birthday that year, on February 22nd, 2017, Ottawa and Buffalo, I'm glad they're wearing their vintage sweaters that night. So See, it's not an awful look. Here's the thing. I don't think that they should go back to those sweaters, the, the red and black ones, or black and red because black was the main color. There were the red, the cross swords ones, but they did wear it, but that was an alternate. Right. Um, so I don't think that they should go completely back to that. They're going to wear them a couple but, times next season. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's fine. I'm okay with that. I, I'm always up for throwback jerseys and, you know, selling that merch, getting that money, money, money. Money. But hear but, me out here. First of out. all, just hot take. I hate hate the old sweaters the old like the old old classic the, bl- the blue and gold ones yes the ones, i hate them. the ones they're, dis- they're going to <laughs> they're disgusting throw them away never wear them again that being jordan's said, gonna listen to this show right that's fine <laughs> that's fine jordan jordan, jordan at, call, the, at he, the real he alex can talk Kuehl to me on instagram at the real alex Kuehl dm on him instagram. DM, talk to me dude smashes dms we will have a conversation and you know what? it'll oh, be a good it'll time be, it'll be a conversation all right i don't like the classics i just i just don't but why you don't like no, Mayday, no. Mayday, Brad May? I'm talking about the colors. I don't care what the commentator said. La Fontaine. If they took those sweaters, right? Okay. And they EA Sports NHL'd it, where they just took the outline and then changed the colors to the black and red. Ugh. That's Alex. That's Hear a, me out, though. That, Alex, because think of this. It looked like the Ottawa Senators from the early 90s. No, it wouldn't. Yes, it would. The no, black and red? No, it wouldn't. Yes, it would. Okay, then that's saying that every every team that... The Grand Rapids Griffins jerseys right now look like the Ottawa Senators because they're, they're a, black They're and an red. American League team. I just shot rubber bands for no reason. Great. <laughs> Good job, Ty. They're American You're five League. years old. They're American League. Grow up. I get mad. I shoot rubber bands.
because there's rubber bands and twisty ties everywhere. This is perfect. I, ADD I swear, Tyler there's, right there's got to be some sort of concept art for this. Buffalo. Dude, Sabres, I have Photoshop. I'll show you later. They're ugly. Jersey. Oh, classic Jersey, but black. How about this, Alex? While you're looking that up, maybe we should go to the next interview. Oh, yeah. Uh, next interview, number two. Louis Pannone, my good Lewis. buddy. Louis Pannone. ASU grad, Arizona State grad. Good buddy, great rider, loves the Coyotes. Yotes. Yotes. Los Yotes. In the playoffs against Nashville. Defensive juggernaut versus Los. defensive not so juggernaut. What's the, what's, the acron- what's the antonym for juggernaut? Uh, hold on. I don't know. Let's look it up. I have a thesaurus. Hold Antonym on. for juggernaut. Go. Thesaurus. Come on, come on, come on. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. Juggernaut. Come on, come on, come on. I'm going to win. Antonym, antonym. I need an antonym. Powerlessness, uh, un- uninterestingness, unpersuasiveness. I'm looking for unpersuasive. Eh, that doesn't work good for describing a team's lack of defense. Nashville sucks at defense, but they score more goals Inferior? than Arizona. They're inferior. Thank you, Alex. See that um, I'm learning. You'll be. I'll be learning words here. Here's the best part. Learning words. I'm be learning. Let me learn you something real quick. I'm gonna tell you right now. This boy, Louis Pinot, Zona, Ka- Zona, Zona Coyote, Zona Yotes, Zona Yotes. Even though Alex, even though your accent is clearly from Mississippi, I don't know what an Arizona accent sounds like. You'll hear it in this interview with Louis Pinot next here on the Kill Podcast. And now returning for the second time here on the Kiel Podcast, he is another writer for the Hockey Writers, covering the Arizona Coyotes all the way down from Death Valley, Louis Pannone. Louis, how are we doing today? I am doing outstanding. How are you doing today? We are hanging in there. We're, we're doing well, staying healthy, staying safe, and f- happy that we can talk about actual current events in hockey, not looking back 20 years, even though all I've been seeing the last couple days is the Detroit Red Wings win the 97 Stanley Cup on my Twitter feed. But <laughs> then again, the, that franchise has to look back on, on good memories because it hasn't been good for them recently. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you guys had that 25-year run, so that's a lot of good times to look back on. But like you said, it's nice to have something to look, look ahead to as well. And obviously with one team being good for so long and now finally faltering, a team that's kind of been meh, to say the least, for the past 25 years with a couple of obviously good runs here and there is the Arizona Coyotes, a team that got into the playoffs. And I'm curious, Lewis, before we get into how the season has gone, what is your take? Obviously, the 2014 playoff format, we've never experienced this before. So a lot of teams that usually wouldn't get in under the 16-team traditional format are making their way into the playoffs, Arizona included. Does this feel like a legitimate playoff berth for the Coyotes, or is this kind of like a, okay, we're in because of this deal? How is it from the Arizona side of things? Um, I would have to say it's probably a little of column A, a little of column B. Um, I think uh, the way things were going at the end of the season, it wasn't looking too positive, but um, I, I, you know, I think a lot of people are saying like Montreal shouldn't be in the playoffs and teams like that. But I don't think the Coyotes are one of those teams. They they uh, they lost their goalie obviously in December, and that that had a really bad bad effect on the team and how they played after that. And now they're 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 getting fully healthy, especially now with this three month break. So I'm definitely interested to see how they uh, how they play here. 
But like you said, it, it's kind of going to be weird unless they win that first round series against Nashville or, or the qualifying round or, or whatever it's being called. I think, I think a lot of people would kind of be let down, you know. Like, yeah, it's the playoffs, but like not really like, if you lose this the series, you know. Technically, it is a playoff. And it's funny, I've, I've chatted with a few of my friends in, around the industry, around the game, and I asked them, you know, if this does pan out, like the, if, the posi- if the feedback is positive for the 2014 playoff format, will they continue with it? Because with Seattle coming into the league under the traditional format, half the league is going to miss the playoffs. And you go back to the early 90s when maybe a third of the league missed the playoffs, if that. I mean, do you think if, if it is successful, Lewis, that – the NHL will adopt this playoff format and kind of expand it a little bit if, you know, like I said, if the feedback is positive by the fans and media alike? Um, I definitely could see that, you know, as we all know, the NHL and every other sports league is out there to make some money. So, uh, you know, more playoff games equals more money and more TV viewership and all that stuff. So I think if it's positive and uh, the level of competition isn't bad, like if we see some some sweeps or some lopsided series here, that might uh, that might turn things in the wrong direction. But I think if the level of competition is good and, and people are interested and people are watching it, I, I definitely could see the NHL uh, extending the playoffs a little bit. Uh, one thing I probably wouldn't like to see is that round robin thing they're doing for the top four. I do think the regular season should mean something. Like I think Boston is, is really getting the, the short end of the stick here because they, you know, the president's trophy winners, but they're going to have to play for their, their right to have the number one seed. So I think that's a little unfair, but I definitely could see them doing a 24 or 20 team playoff or something like that in the future if, if this is uh, successful. I, I do agree with you on that one, Lewis, but I, I really think the biggest part for that is just so that those four teams play meaningful games. Because if you put them all against each other and they're just exhibition games, more or less, it's not going to be as competitive. So when the teams that are coming out of those play in series, they're going to be fresh and hungry while the other, you know, the top four are going to kind of be sleepwalking a little bit. So I think that was the thought behind the round robin setup, just to be like, all right play competitively so you you know you're you can get the juices flowing so i think that's probably why they went with the round robin format i don't think that they'd want to do that in the future just because of everything but given the scenario it's almost like hey you want to play competitive hockey well here you go yeah absolutely so it kind of seems like a one-off kind of thing but uh i guess we'll have to see how it goes yeah one-off thing like the world cup of hockey because everyone nobody nobody wants that again right <laughs> whatever <laughs> probably not we'll see some olympics hopefully but uh oh, let's we'll save that one for another another day that's yeah. a long conversation that's a three-hour <laughs> podcast waiting to happen um, absolutely that's an entire episode right there <laughs> since since the last time we chatted lewis you know we when we had you on i forget was it december or january it was about the midway it was before darcy kemper got injured and i remember we were really excited because the Coyotes, they were they were leading the Pacific Division. Words that I don't think I would have said, at least, you know, if you if I told you five years ago the Coyotes were leading any division, we, I probably would have laughed at myself, but they were there. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, all right, things are looking up. You know, they brought Taylor Hall in. Great, awesome. There's talent. But it just didn't seem to work. And a lot of that did start with the loss of Darcy Kemper. Absolutely. Uh, Kemper was playing probably at a Vezina level at the beginning of the season there for the first 25 games. And uh, they lost him and had to go to Andy Ranta and he got hurt. And then they had to go to Aiden Hill. And uh, it was just kind of a revolving door at the goaltending position there for a while. Um, but overall, they were still getting above average goaltending from both of those players. So um, it was just a team-wide thing. Taylor Hall came over and then um, he, he was playing well. Um, you know, Phil Kessel kind of was off to a slow start. He never really got it going. 
We had guys like Derek Stepan never got it going. Brad Richardson had almost 20 goals. I think he had 19 goals last year. Uh, he definitely is, is not going not gonna to match that this year. So you had some guys that took steps back. You had guys that didn't live up to the hype, like Phil Kessel. Um, guys kind of just regressing as the season went on, like Oliver ekman Larson. Um, players like that kind of just um, – things just kind of fell apart after they lost Darcy Kemper. Uh, so now I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how it goes with him back in the lineup. Now they'll have, they'll have Jason Demers back. They'll have Nicholas Jomerson back. They'll have Jacob Chikrin back in the lineup. So um, I'm interested to see if they can turn things around here. It's, it's going to be a short five-game series, but I'm, I'm definitely interested to see if they can get back to where they were in, in November. Um, if they're able to do that, I think they can make some noise in the playoffs. But uh, but if not, if they play like they did January, February, March, it's going to be probably three and three games and out here. It's, it's going to be interesting to see which Coyotes team we actually see. That's been the talk of why this pause has been so beneficial that the league is coming back. Is that all these guys that have been banged up for you know playing over sixty five games this season, they're able to really recover, recuperate, and get back to full health. And having Kemper back is huge as well. And the guy, the two guys that are leading the team right now in points, you have Nick Schmaltz and Clayton Keller. And I remember I I asked you. In November, is Clayton Keller's contract too much? Is it not worth it? I mean, is it just kind of the way the numbers are going for the Coyotes this year that it looks good? I mean, no player above 50 points in, in the 70 games they played, but you know, he's been a guy that's had to have been consistent, at least at least on paper. How do you think Clayton Keller's looked this year? Uh, I would say I would lump him and, and Nick Schmaltz together and say they've been okay this season their numbers are good they lead the team in scoring but you know that's that's only at 45 and 44 points so really on any other team that wouldn't really be leading the team in scoring at all um but like you said those guys are both making a lot of money and i think their the expectation for them was was they should be scoring a lot more points than they they are or have um i'd say both of them had their their moments this year and both of them had uh had their their struggles as well so um it's going to be interesting to see if they can get it turned around. Uh, like you said, it's been a long layoff. It's almost like a brand new season here. We've, we've had almost, I think we're going to be at four months here once we get the playoffs going without, uh, without these guys playing a good game. So um, it'll be interesting to see if these guys can turn it around. You know, the, you know, the Coyotes pay them a lot of money. They're going to be expected to contribute more than they have in the past. And uh, for Keller, especially, this is the first year of his, his big contract. So, um, the expectation for him is going to be 60, 70, 80 points a year, and he just wasn't, wasn't quite at that level this year. So those guys both need to take some steps forward this year for the Coyotes to, uh, to make some noise in the playoffs. It'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see how players step up, especially since the fact that those will be their first games back in, like you said, four months. And one guy we did talk about in November, one other guy we talked about, Lewis, and one guy said, watch out for this kid, watch out for this kid, Connor Garland. 39 points, third on the team in scoring, you know, kind of right there because it's a very tight race, right? Because you have, I guess, tight in scoring race because of the five leading scorers, they're all within seven points of each other. But Connor Garland's right on in there. How do you think he's played since the last time we talked? Uh, Connor Garland's probably been the team MVP this year. Um, he's out there. He plays every situation. He plays power play time, kill penalties. He uh, will play, you know, even strength a lot. Um, I think a lot of fans wanted to see him play more. He only plays 14 minutes tonight, so so players or the fans actually want to see more of him. Uh, but he leads the team in goals this year. He's been he was just as good last year, and he came up from Tucson. Um, he's only making I think $775,000 this year, and and probably the same next year. So he's definitely on a, on a team friendly contract, and I think he's been like I said the team MVP this year. He's 
every night it's, he brings it, you know, he, he never takes a night off. You always notice him out there, whether he's, he's fighting for the puck in the offensive zone or blocking a shot or doing something, you, you always notice him. And I think he's, he's become a fan favorite already in, in just his second year in Arizona. So Connor Garland definitely is going to be one of those players to keep an eye on here. He was a big time scorer in junior hockey. I think he, he actually led the entire uh, CHL in scoring. I think back-to-back years, I want to say. Uh, he might have been tied with Dylan Stroman one of those years, but he was a big-time scorer in the QMJHL. And uh, it's taken them a little while to get it figured out here in the professional ranks, but I, I think he's going to be one of those players to, to keep an eye on for sure. This And obviously, that's huge up front to have the scoring and timely guys like that. But you talked about he's able to play in all situations. And despite the struggles that the Coyotes did have, they were still one of, if not the best teams defensively. I believe they finished the season, I think, tied for third, if I read it correctly, with Columbus. Uh, tied for third or tied for second in goals against. They only allowed 187 in 70 games, which was, I believe, the second most out of, I think nobody played anything more than 71 this season. How important was that when the team was struggling that they weren't getting blown out defensively? Has that been an, a testament to... You know, just the hard work on the blue line with guys like Churn and Goligoski and whatnot, or is it just you know just I guess luck that the Coyotes have been able to play some tight hockey games? Uh, I'd say that that's a little bit of, of both right now. They're getting some good goaltending, so you might have a, a little bit of luck in there. But um, last year they were also one of the top defensive teams in the NHL as well. Um, so I think this is now probably something of a trend. Really, um, I mean, Rick Tockett coach teams have been strong defensively, uh, struggled offensively, but but the Coyotes have been their strong defensive team since he's gotten to Arizona. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with, with the veteran blue line they have. They have uh, some, some guys that have been around the block, so to speak. You got Alex Goligoski, you got Jason Demers, you got Nicholas Yalmerson, you got a lot of these guys, Oliver Ekman Larson. A lot of these guys have played a lot of games in the league, so they, they know what they're doing. And uh, you have some outstanding goaltending go with it. Antti Ranta went healthy. Uh, Darcy Kemper, um, even Aiden Hill was all right this year. Um, all that combined just gives you some some solid defensive hockey, and it's really been a necessity for them this year with with the, with the amount of trouble they've had with scoring goals. Um, you know, if they weren't playing solid defensive hockey, they'd be getting blown out most nights. Uh, but they they play solid defensive hockey, and they've been in a lot of their games. Um, I think the last time they lost a game by by more than two goals was uh, was the game at Edmonton before uh, before the All Star break. They got blown out, but I think ever since then they've either been within a goal or. Or if it's been a two-goal loss, it's been with an empty netter. So they've been competitive in every game. They just haven't been able to, to get that scoring. And it's strange because they don't have many players above, or at least above, I don't think they have any players above it, a plus-minus of eight. I think Goligoski has the best one. And the plus-minus, I know, especially in the analytics world today, is such a disputed number. But then you have a guy like Phil Kessel, who is, you know, minus 21. But then again, Phil Kessel is just a... I, from watching, remember from him when he was a Leaf and whatnot. Watch him through his career. He's never been a defensive, like defensively strong player. That's for sure. <laughs> that's a good statement. He's known for that scoring, and and when you don't get that scoring, it's it's definitely noticeable. That minus twenty one. But you know the the hard part, I believe, for the Coyotes is I I want to say the future because you want to stay in the now and stay in the fact that you're focusing on the playoffs. But you know. A guy like Taylor Hall being brought onto this team, you know, he's only put up 27 points this year, and granted, he started off with a very poor Devils team. How has his game kind of gone? It seems like it's gone south. Not I'll say south, but it hasn't really gotten any better with the move to Arizona. 
you know, he's a guy that's going to be a free agent next year. And there's all this talks of big money, but has his stock dropped since he came down to Glendale? Um, I would say probably not. I think he's still going to get his his money from somebody, whether that's a, whether that's a good idea or not. Uh, that's definitely a conversation for another time. But uh, but he's he's played well enough in Arizona, I think, to, to keep his stock as as number one free agent out there. He's got those twenty seven points in thirty five games since coming here. Um, obviously, the supporting cast hasn't been good. Phil Kessel hasn't lived up to the hype. You've had guys like Derek Stepan take steps back, and and other guys like that. Um, so the supporting cast has something to do with that. Um, but I, I do think Taylor Hall is worth that money. Uh, you saw him a couple of years ago, pretty much will the Devils to the playoffs um, just by himself, basically. Um, so he does have the ability to, 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 to put his game, bring his game to a whole other level. But um, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see if anyone gives him that money because he's had the problems with injuries here recently. And uh, um, I'm not sure Arizona can afford to give him that money. They'd have to get rid of some guys, but it's going to be interesting to see if anyone, uh, that pays off for whoever gives him that money. So you're telling me that all they have to do is get rid of Marion Hosa, his contract, <laughs> and they can pay Taylor Hall. Got it. Um, has <laughs> yeah, there... They'd have to get rid of some guys. They'd have to get rid of Derek Stepan, probably. They'd have to get rid of uh, Michael Grabner, probably. But uh, they can make it happen if, if Taylor Hall wants to stay here. Now, would you say... Antiranta? Is that a, is it, is there any, I know that's kind of a stretch. I just look at 4.25 for him. And I just, it, for me, that's a wincing number just because he hasn't quite lived up to that hype. But when he got came over from New York, I mean, do you think that that's, I mean, an option for the coyotes if they want to really make a run at Taylor hall? Uh, they are paying him a lot of money to be pretty much the backup right now. Um, but it does help to have that backup there in case your starter gets hurt, which we've seen that happen in the last couple of years. Right. Um, but Ronta himself isn't healthy. Uh, he's injury prone, so it's kind of hard to, to count on him, you know. Um, I think Aiden Hill, with his nine, he had a 918 save percentage this year, I think, in, in 13 games played. So that's that's pretty good for, for your backup. I, I think the Coyotes would be comfortable in moving on from Ronta if they had to, to in order to keep Hall. Um, but I think that's going to remain to be seen. If if they don't have to get rid of him, they'll probably keep him. Yeah, you definitely. You do want to. It's in today's game, especially. You want a good tandem goaltender, as we've seen with teams like Dallas and Boston. And I mean, do you think w- regarding Taylor Hall, would a good playoff run convince him to stay? And I, to what extent, would be considered a quote unquote good playoff run for Taylor Hall? Um, I think. All indications are that he wants to, to, to win some games. He doesn't really care where he plays. From what I've read, he just wants to win games and be in the playoffs. Uh, I think he's only been to the playoffs once so far in his career. So I definitely can understand where he's coming from on that. Um, I think if the Coyotes are able to, to beat Nashville in that qualifying round and then uh, maybe push Vegas to six or seven games in that, that first round series or whoever they play in that first round series, I think that, that might be enough to convince him to stay. But he does want to win. I think he would go anywhere uh, to win games. So the Coyotes have to win some games and, and convince him to stick around. Boy, if, if it was Arizona versus Vegas, you talk about an interesting concept series just because Arizona, this defensively sound team against Vegas, high-flying, rolling the dice, you know, roulette Vegas. It would, it would be... The it would be the polar opposite. It'd be the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. And I to quote my good friend Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> yeah, that'd be an outstanding series. I think that they 
Coyotes and Vegas played, I think, three times this year with two more matchups got canceled. I think they split them. The Coyotes were 1-1-1. One, one, and one. So I think that'd be a pretty evenly matched series if they were to play. And uh, for me, I think it'd be disappointing now that we would see it in this season since none of us would be able to do those, do those road trips to Vegas for playoff games you know, with there being no fans and everything. So um, it's definitely been a kind of a pipe dream to see the Coyotes play Vegas, but it would be disappointing not be able to go to any of those games and have another excuse to go to Vegas. But um, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But I think it would be an outstanding series if they were to play. Obviously, we'll have to see what happens with that round robin. But um, I think if, if Vegas or whatever, if, if that plays out like the way they were seated, I think Vegas would be number three and the Coyotes would play them in the first round. So um, we'll have to keep an eye on who uh, who is winning that round robin series and, and look ahead to a possible playoff matchup. But of course, in order for the Coyotes to have any chance of playing the Knights or anyone in the top of the Western Conference, they will have to get through Nashville. And you wrote recently kind of breaking down the series between Nashville and Arizona. And it's it's an interesting series because Nashville is a team this year that's just been just a big head scratcher for for most of us. You know, we thought they'd be better, but they really haven't been in any stretch of the imagination. I mean, they really, like you said, they got to the playoffs. They were holding technically at second wild card spot before the pause, but they weren't the same Nashville team from even last year. This team has not been the strong dominant Nashville team that we've seen in the past. So what do you think is the biggest aspect? What's the biggest, I guess, strength that the Coyotes are going to have against Nashville heading into this playoff series? Uh, I would have to say goaltending on that one and goaltending and defense. Um, I think Nashville is definitely going to have the advantage on the offensive end of the ice and probably from the blue line with, with Roman Yossi and, and Ryan Ellis there scoring some points from the blue line. And they have Philip Forsberg and a pretty solid and deep offense there. Um, so I think the Coyotes are going to have to get some solid goaltending from Kemper or Ronta, whoever plays. And they're going to have to have their defense uh, be outstanding as well, play some, some shutdown hockey. Um, I, that's kind of how they won games during the season. So they'd have to um, keep that going in the playoffs. They'd have to win games probably three to two or two to one. You know, if, if they're giving up four or five goals, you're not really going to have a, a chance to win those games that often. So they're going to have to keep games low scoring and they're going to have to get some outstanding goaltending from Kemper and Ronta. And uh, if that happens and they're able to maybe get something out of Phil Kessel and maybe get something out of Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz, they definitely could have a chance to, to pull off the upset here. Um, but upset definitely would be a, a strong word to use. Uh, these teams are only separated by four points in the standings here. And the Coyotes actually had a plus 10 goal differential on Nashville. So uh, these teams are, are pretty evenly matched. So I think it's going to be a good series either way. But it would definitely help for the Coyotes to, to stick to that formula they had success with. is play defense and get some timely goals where, where they can and just stay close in games. Yeah, out of the Four out of the 24 teams that are making the playoffs this year in the NHL, six of them have a negative goal differential. One of them being the Nashville Predators. They've scored 215, but they've given up 217, which is a whole 30 more than the Coyotes do. And, you know, it's almost beneficial that, you know, the Coyotes are going to these playoffs. Yes, technically the underdog given the seeding, but they have guys that have been there before. I mean, Stepan, maybe not as much given, you know, where he's played and Buffalo and such. But you have guys like, I know Jalmerson's not a big player, but he's there with the team. And you have Phil Kessel. And I, you know, I, with the Leafs, he only made it the one year in 2013. But you saw him with Pittsburgh. 
this guy, despite the numbers, despite him not being able to kind of click so far with Arizona, he's a big-time playoff performer, and that's going to be huge in this series for Arizona. Absolutely. It does seem like throughout his career, he's stepped up in the big moments. Um, that's, that's definitely been his hallmark, especially with, with the two cup runs there in Pittsburgh. Um, so I think if, if now's as good as time as any for him to wake up, I think he only had 38 points in, in 70 games in the regular season after I think he almost averaged a point a game in Pittsburgh for his four years there. So um, that's definitely a pretty big drop off. But like you said, he's been one of those guys you can usually count on to uh, put some numbers up in the playoffs. And the Coyotes are definitely going to need that if uh, if they're going to have a chance there. They got to score some goals. They like you said, they only had 195 goals this year. Nashville scored 215. So they got to score some goals and, and keep playing that solid defense to have a chance here. If I, I'm not trying to spoil this for Nashville or trying to give them an insight, but who is someone from the Coyotes that nobody's really talking about? You know, Nobody's watching. Nobody's saying, all right, this is the X factor. Who is a guy that you think could really make a difference in this series that really is going under the radar right now? I would probably have to say Jacob Chikrin on defense. Um, he went down with a hip injury here in February, right before the, the season was paused. Um, but he really took over as the number one defenseman this year from Ekman Larson. Uh, he was playing more time on the power play. He was getting more ice time at the end of games, and he was really coming into his own as, as a player. I think this is his fourth year, and it was really his first time uh, being healthy since he was a rookie. A couple knee injuries here they had to come back from, but this year he was, he was really outstanding. I think he's flying under the radar on a lot of people. Uh, right now. Uh, so Jacob Chickern would be a guy to keep an eye on as uh, as that potential number one defenseman of the playoffs for the Coyotes and number one defenseman of the future here going forward. I, I won't task you with the question of make your prediction on the series. A, because, I mean, obviously, you know, you hope the Coyotes win. And it's tough because it's really early. We don't know exactly, you know, what condition they're in. I mean, even though there's a lot of teams having small group practices, I mean, I just saw the Edmonton Oilers clip just a few minutes ago and I got really excited. I'm like, there's hockey again. But I got, <laughs> I have to ask you the most important question heading into this series, Lewis. How excited are you that the Kachita sweaters are going to be worn during the playoffs? Oh, that is definitely going to be the number one highlight for, for everyone here. Uh, I think a lot of people have been lobbying for that for a long time, that they should go to Kachitas if they ever made the playoffs. And now they finally have, and I think uh, it, it's it's happening. So uh, I think a lot of people are going to be happy with that. Um, I think a lot of people would be happier if they wore the white kachinas too on their their designated road games. But uh, we'll just we'll take one thing at a time here. We'll be happy with the black kachinas. I will say this, I because myself, I never liked the idea of having dark sweaters at home. I get it. You know, it's easier to see. But I personally think what the NHL should do, and this is a very minor league thought of mine. Because a lot of teams in the a lot of minor leagues like the SPHL and I know the Federal League does this as well, is that for the first half of the year they wear darks at home, the second half they wear whites at home, and I've always liked the white kachitas better than the dark ones. Anyway, same thing with the old Anaheim, the Mighty Duck sweaters. I like the white ones compared to the eggplant color, but. Unfortunately, I'm not with the marketing team in the NHL, so unfortunately, the league's going to have to lose money until I get hired by them. But yeah, you, you might be onto something there. I mean, if uh, fans are at games and they see the, the teams wearing their homes and their road jerseys, they might sell more road jerseys. So you might be onto something there. Might be uh, might be something for the league to look into. I may have to. Well, it's funny. Some I, apparently there's a uh, one of my friends knows somebody that did have Bill Daly's email. Now I don't I don't know if they still have it, but I may reach out to him and say, "Hey, give me the email. I have an idea." 
And unfortunately, <laughs> I'm probably I'm gonna probably be one of a million emails he gets a day. So I have to like put in like all caps or something or make it like weird looking text for him to read it, but <laughs> without making it look like spam. Um, but get that high priority thing in and outlook there. So we, you definitely will, will see it that way. <laughs> now, now the biggest question is though, if with, when, with the Kachita sweaters, does that, cause I pretty sure, cause they wore them. How many times did the Coyotes wear those this year? They wore them a couple times. Um, I, I would say probably like half the time, every Saturday they would wear them. So that was most of their home games. They were, they would wear Okay. Kachinas this year, so probably half of their home games. Well, good because that means because from a goaltender's perspective, like myself, it's like all right, having to get new gear for this would just be absolutely horrible for the playoffs. But at least you know Kemper's like all right, I have my my Kachita pads, which is imp- which is incredibly important because us goaltenders we are superstitious AF, and it's not it's not healthy. I mean, I don't know how Kemper and Ranta are, but if they're half of what I was. It's you got to have a specific regimen, and I, I wonder now. I, I feel like there's got. Did you would you wouldn't know off the top of your head what their record would be with the Kachias, would you? Or anywhere? Do you think was it good or bad? Uh, I would have to look that up. I know they lost a lot of games on Saturdays in the beginning of the season, um, but I would have to look that up. They they're probably about five hundred this year. They they lost a lot of games in the beginning of the season on those Saturdays, and they cleaned it up a little in the second half. Oh I would say maybe about five hundred, but I'd have to look that up. And all of a sudden, the marketing plan with the Arizona Coyotes has gone south and everyone's fired. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, kind of going off of the playoffs here, did you, you did, I'm sure you saw the announcement today that the Coyotes hired a new CEO. They hired Xavier A. Gutierrez, the first Latino president in NHL history. What do you think about that news? I did see that. I think that's awesome. Uh, obviously, you have uh, Alex Morello. Uh, he was the first uh, Hispanic owner. And now we have the first Hispanic CEO and, and ultimate governor. So I think it's it's definitely a good step for the Coyotes uh, to hopefully tap into that Hispanic um, fan base here in Arizona. Um, I think it's, it's definitely um, awesome in terms of the diversity. And uh, hopefully he's able to uh, do what his predecessors haven't been able to do and get that arena situation figured out. That is one thing that Marillox, I was able to read because I saw that uh, one of your retweets, Matt Lehman's article for ArizonaSports.com earlier today, and they were talking about the new arena and how Murillo came out and said that had there not been a COVID, had there not been a pandemic, they would have been way ahead of schedule. And they're hoping to say they they want to get something announced according, excuse me, according to Murillo, that they hope they are able to announce something by the end of the year. Now, my question is this: Given since I'm a hockey person, is that end of the year? This season, end of the year, next season, or end of 2020, the calendar year? Um, I think he meant end of 2020, um, which I would think is a little bit um, optimistic considering what we've seen in the last couple of years here. Um, But who knows? There could be a lot of stuff going on that we don't know about behind the scenes. So who knows? Maybe they're further ahead than than a lot of us expect. But uh, I think that would be definitely optimistic to see something by the end of the year. But uh, here's hoping. Well, I mean, shoot, they, they kept how many times did Seattle announced that they were going to have the team name? We're going to see it at the All-Star oh, game. No doubt. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, it's weird. I believe that Arizona will get a new rink before Seattle announced the team name. That's what I'm. That's my prediction think, right uh, here I think now. We should bet on that. We, we should get to go to Vegas and see if we can bet on that somewhere. <laughs> no one else is going to be there. We'll have good odds. It'll be, it'll Might be as well, right? Three to, three to one odds. But, uh, well, I guess that's a, a good question, Lewis. Oh, there's a two-part question here. First one regarding the arena. What do you th- would you rather have the team move closer to downtown Phoenix, or do you think it's kind of good that 
the team is outside of the big city? Um, I think being in downtown Phoenix would help with the location. Um, obviously, it's a little harder to get around down there. With, with uh, you'd have some other events to contend with, like uh, Suns games and, and stuff like that, and concerts. So it might be a little bit harder to uh, to get around down there if there was another arena. Um, but it definitely would be more centrally located. I think that's that's a lot of people's uh, gripes about the arena. Uh, personally, I work in Tempe, which is out uh, to the southeast, and the arena is all the way to the west. And it takes me an hour and a half to get from my work to the arena on weeknights. So it definitely would be nice if that was a little bit closer. Um, so that would absolutely help if it was closer. And either downtown or Scottsdale or wherever, uh, if, it's, if it's a little bit more towards the middle of the city, that would definitely help help things a lot. I forget what the was it. Uh, what was the arena they had down in Phoenix? They used when they were the Coyotes. They played. Oh gosh, what? Because that rink used to be so loud in the nineties and early two thousands. Uh, yeah, they played in. Uh, I think it's called Talking Stick Resort Arena now, where the Suns play. That was back in the day. That was America West Arena. America West. That's what it was. I, I'm like I forgot the name of it because it, it was just. A, I that was an airline company or something like that. But <laughs> that rink used to get loud. Like that was when the whiteout was bleach whiteout. It was it was crazy. I mean, Winnipeg fans had something to contend with when they came back in the playoffs compared to how and that was of course back when, you know, Jeremy Roenick, Habby Bulin, and I mean Kachuk. Those were those were some coyotes teams worth definitely talking about. If you're talking about the past like we've had to here in this pandemic or in this COVID, the shutdown, those Coyotes teams, you can definitely look back with some great fondness. Even though it wasn't long-term playoff success, those were still some pretty good hockey teams. Absolutely. They had some really good teams uh, during the first part of their, their tenure here in Arizona. They, I think they went to the playoffs five of the first six years or, or something like that. So they definitely had a lot of success early, and that helped with the fan base a lot back in the day. And that arena is, is crazy loud. It's, it's small and intimate and the fans are right on top of you even in the upper deck so it's it's definitely a, a crazy place for hockey but it, it, it's too bad we won't ever see it again yeah i mean uh, well you never know how the new arena would be built even though it seems like well detroit where the upper bowl is literally hanging over the arena that that itself is pretty cool but in my second part of the question talking about the future of the team obviously you know the team wants to stay focused on the playoffs now but with seattle coming in in the next year in 2021 that means Arizona is going to be jumping into the Central Division. That Central Division is terrifying of how deep it is, how tough it is. I mean, even though a team like Minnesota was still almost a playoff team, it's incredibly how tight that division is. Do you think the Coyotes, with their style, with their defensive structure, could play in a division like that with you know some high-scoring teams but also some very physical teams like Minnesota and like St. Louis and Chicago? Um, that's a good question. I think it would definitely be an adjustment for the Coyotes. Um, like you said, Chicago is the last place team, and they're still in the playoffs this year at 72 points. So uh, there's not really a bad team in that division right now. Even Minnesota got off to that slow start, and they, they turned things around. So, And then you have St. Louis, obviously, the Stanley Cup champions. Colorado probably is a, is a Stanley Cup contender this year. Dallas leads the league in, in defense this year. And Winnipeg is always tough. The Coyotes, I think, have won once in Winnipeg since they Winnipeg moved back to uh, up to Canada from Atlanta, so uh, there's some tough opponents in there, and I think the Coyotes are going to really have to uh, to get things turned around before then and get things moving in the right direction. Because if they're still trying to rebuild when they're in the Central, it's going to be tough for them. 
I, I will say this. I'm pretty sure Winnipeg fans make sure that they beat Arizona just because I'm sure even though the team has got its identity now and it's kind of pat moved past the whole moving, I'm sure there's some elder fans that are still a little salty that they did move back there in the mid-90s. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I definitely would hold a grudge too if I was them, so I, I definitely I can't say that I blame them. There and believe it or not, I've talked to a few people. There are still some people that in Atlanta are mad that the that the Thrashers moved, even though they never did sell. There was a good clunk of very passionate fans there. So it's and then again, it's it's never fun to see a, a team move. Except I'm pretty sure there's some people that were a little bit happier that there was a team in Winnipeg again. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's always tough to see those teams leave, uh, even if they were having trouble. There is still that you know that small group of, of passionate fans that are definitely heartbroken so you hate to see that but i think they they're, they're better off in winnipeg now but we'll definitely see how winnipeg does and how all these other teams do come the playoffs whenever that may be mid-july late july we'll be watching lewis will be writing for the hockey writers we'll put a link to his profile alongside jordan deshane's in the description of this week's episode be sure to catch all of his future articles including the recent one where he breaks down the series between Nashville and Arizona should be a good physical one. Even though it's only five games, it'll be an exciting five games. Lewis, thank you once again for coming on. We're once again, we're happy that we can talk about hockey and let's hope the coyotes are having some fun. Maybe, like I said, maybe a deep playoff run that Vegas series would be certainly interesting. I am hoping that we have a lot of great action in the playoffs. Definitely. I appreciate you having me on and, uh, here's hoping we have, uh, uh, an outstanding and, interesting playoffs to, to write about and cover and, and watch here. So here's hoping it'll, it'll be hey, I got maybe once in a century. Who knows? It'll be certainly something in the history books. Lewis, thank you. you might have that number 12 seed win the Stanley cup. Who knows? <laughs> the last thing anyone wants is Chicago, Montreal in the finals. Lewis, you know, this come on. now. <laughs> <laughs> it'll just Twitter. will just be like, no Montreal, the most, probably the most despised, like just like, Nobody likes Montreal in the East. And then in the West, Chicago. Why Chicago? <laughs> I mean, On second thought, hopefully we don't see that. <laughs> let's, just, let's just put Boston and St. Louis again. Everyone will play Gloria. It'll be the battle. Then you'll have to bring out the anthem singers because have them battle it out. It'll be awesome. But who knows? Who cares? We have hockey to talk about. That's yes, all we care absolutely. about. Hockey Thank you once again, Lewis. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thanks again. Now, here's the thing. Another good interview. Very thankful I heard it. But for some reason, all I can think about, you know The Good Place? Yes, with it, the, the, Kirsten Bell. Is it Kirsten or Kristen Bell? I think. Yeah, that girl. Anyways, Sarah Marshall. But yeah, Yes. Her character in, that, in the show is from Arizona. But... Since the actual person, I think she went to the University of Michigan. All I can think of is I don't I don't know what the, why I put the Michigan part in there, but all I can think of when I think about the Coyotes right now or just Arizona in general is just a fried shrimp dispense machine. See, you know what I'm talking about? The one where it's like it had like garlic and barbecue and then cocktail shrimp and then it had like the mystery flavor, which is just white chocolate on shrimp and apparently it was good said the arizona person <laughs> see here's the problem i think that's what the arizona accent is 
talking while you have white chocolate <laughs> cocktail shrimp in your mouth. I love shrimp. Can Alex. we make that a thing? I love shrimp, Alex. I can't do that. I won't allow it. What white chocolate? White chocolate on shrimp. Just re- leave shrimp. If you're, the only things you can ever do to shrimp, Alex, Old Bay seasoning or deep fry it. That's the only thing you can do to shrimp. You put anything else on it. I allow cocktail sauce just because it's tr- traditional. People like it. People allow it. But I don't like the fact that people think it's needed. You want some cocktail? Here's some cocktail sauce on your shrimp. No, don't ruin it. That's when people come in with the martini glass or the margarita glass, Alex, full of the cocktail sauce and the shrimp's dipped in there, and I sit there and wipe it all off so it tastes decent. Not a horseradish fan, Alex. I'm sorry. I don't like it. But I mean, I, cocktail sauce ain't bad. Cocktail sauce is awful. But you know what's not awful, Alex? We talked about it with Lewis. The Kachita sweaters. Coming back for the playoffs. Now, Alex, we talked about a little bit about the Buffalo sweaters and how you think the black and red would not look like the 1994 Ottawa Senators. Here's my question to you. Did you like the black or the white Kachitas? Yes. Yes? Now, if, okay, and I mentioned that also with Lewis. Do you like, would you rather prefer the eggplant Mighty Duck sweaters or the white Mighty Duck sweaters? Oh, so, you, oh, so you're, oh, so, oh, okay, okay. Which one do you like more? Hmm. Okay, when it comes to the Kachita sweaters, it has to be the black one. Eh. Yes, but. yes, yes. But Pier- I, I like the white ones more Tyler, because it's it's Tyler, better with the here, whiteout. Here's the thing, though. Yes, it's better with the whiteout, but as a Red Wings fan, or grew up as a Red Wings fan, and you go and you watch the old Phoenix Coyotes, when they would play Detroit, they were wearing black. Uh, at, yes, on the road. That's why I mentioned Like I like, I think... That's why I prefer. That's However, why my idea, my minor league hockey idea of having... A team where white's at home one half of the year, dark's at home in the second half. No. I like it. Mm-mm. It'll increase jersey sales. Make that money. Alex, talk about making money. That's how you make money. You want to make money and you want to be able to see the other jersey at home or away? This is what you do. You have white jerseys at home, dark jerseys away, and then your alternate jersey, which is probably going to be some sort of dark solid color, forces the away team to wear their white jerseys. Boom. Yes, and be, and be like the Griffins in 2001 where they literally celebrate every holiday with a sweater. Yes. They had, okay, that year they had the They hol- had St. Patrick's Day. They had Valentine's Day. They had Halloween. Halloween they Christmas. had Thanksgiving jerseys. Well, it wasn't for that year, but they did have them. Christmas, of course. Oh, yes. They had Christmas. They had New Year's Eve. They, did they do a Flag Day one? No. No. Or no, Flag Day's in the summer. Never mind. Yes. No, well, it was the next year they wore the All-American ones because that was after 9-11. I'm, yes, the that first is year, the first then, year in the AHL, I, I, I coincidentally, yeah, but um, yeah, they had a lot of sweaters. What? What? Oh, but uh, to answer your second question of which I prefer the white or the eggplant, it's the white ones uh, because Scott Stevens, <laughs> Scott, uh, <laughs> Scott Stevens. <laughs> oh, Stevens! Oh my! Oh. He hit Korea. Uh, or wait, we want do we want to do the ESP the ABC feed or we want the CBC feed? And flatten out the line was Korea, and he is hurt. He, <laughs> he is saying. down. He, he is, is hurt. hurt. He, he is, is dead. dead. <laughs> he is. Well, <laughs> well, he he. Let's put it this way: he came back to life. <laughs> Everyone's like, no, he. I'm ninety five percent sure. He just got the wind knocked out of him, dude. There was, yeah, all of it. There wasn't an ounce of oxygen. You left got. 
you get hit like that by Scott Stevens' butt, and you tell me that. That was his elbow. Well, when I say butt, I mean his entire body, but I was not cursing. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, that, anyways, it wasn't a Rob Blake. His now. body. His body. But I, I swear, Scott, I swear Scott Stevens killed Paul Korea. And he, he came did back not to kill life. Paul Korea. Paul Korea doesn't remember it, but it just, it looks like he died. He did and not. came die. back to life. He got, he figure out how to breathe again. I want, I want to see video if he see if he's actually moving, if there's any motion. Like, I'm talking like chest movements to see if he's breathing at all. I'm curious. I don't think you're going to be able to see it. One, because he's wearing a white jersey on white ice, so it's going to be hard to do that. Also, no. two, he didn't die. <laughs> how do we know, Al? Ask him. He doesn't remember. Then it doesn't matter. <laughs> Is he alive? Good. Didn't die. There's no proof, so we can't tell if he's dead or alive. Great answer, If you Alex. can't tell me that he died, he didn't. Boom. You know what? I'm going to text my buddy Freach. Have him ask Paul Korea next time he sees him. See if he dies. First of all, not your buddy Freach. Second of all, best LA Kings jersey. Go. Black and silver. The 90s. The Gretzky ones. False. If you say the purple and black and silver ones, the ones that go. Yeah, because you had us. You had two of them. You had <laughs> also. Two, yeah, this kid had two Los Angeles King sweaters. Yes, I did. One was Jason Allison for some gosh darn reason. He because I was the only one. He was at that time, yeah, because Robitaille. Yeah, it was. Oh, he was the only. You didn't want decent sh- player. You didn't want Sean Avery number nineteen. I didn't know who Sean Avery was. Then again, I didn't know who he other guy was either. Still don't. Roman Czechmonic was their goaltender at that time. It was after, after he got traded from Philly. Great. <laughs> I just wanted the, I just wanted the white LA Kings jersey because I had the black one. Yeah, the black one needed the white one. They both suck, Alex. Yeah, the black one was good. Also, it had my name on it. Yes, that's, that's squid. It's squid. Oh, by the way, number Alex, seventeen. Yes. Also, what? Because I like Brett Hall. <laughs> I like Brett Hall. Yeah. I like Brett Hall, but I'm wearing an LA Kings jersey. Throw squid on the back. Nailed it. Sell it. That's going to make some coin right there. By the way, guys, follow Alex on Instagram and also follow uh-huh. his new page, Alex, at, squ- at squid underscore fitness. Ah, uh, yes. That's with two Ds, by the way, for squid. S-Q-U-I-D-D underscore fitness. How do you spell fitness, Alex? Fit. Nope. Not going <laughs> to. Fitness. F-I-T. I was going to say. Miss. Fitting all this somewhere else. And welcome, everyone, to 12 Hour Sports Radio Network, and we're gone. <laughs> <laughs> and we're without our own show. We're out of channel again. We're by on our own. But anyway, still yeah, no. fine. But no, it, yeah. Uh, follow you on there. Alex is working out. He's getting, he's getting fit. He's getting, getting in shape. I'm getting, I'm doing the GLM, gaining muscle, losing weight and maintaining a healthy you lifestyle. Said, you said GLM. Yeah. GLM. Gain muscle, lose weight, oh. maintain a healthy lifestyle. Oh, I thought you meant like, like you said like you said, getting muscle. Like I'm like that's GM, Alex, not GLM. I was making sure that you weren't losing your mind, but then again, it's me losing my mind. Nah. Well, you said you said. By, by the way, Kent Trail, so nice when you're heading towards Byron Center, like towards the beginning of it. Yeah, we used to, Cal and I that's would ride so our bikes nice. down. If you go all the way to 84th Street, there's a nice little ice cream shop there. Mm-hmm. Good soft serve, Houseman's. Didn't go there, but I saw it. I'll tell you right now, don't get a big scoop because that ri- that bike ride back sucks. <laughs> Or just don't get ice cream. Uh, 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 the wife. It's the wife's decision. The wife's decision. It's like when we rode White Pine Trail. <laughs> when we went to White Pine Trail, we came back because we park on West River Drive right by the uh, – across from Nick Fink's, there's a little ice cream shop there where the Native American totem is. Okay. 
yeah, that's where we park and then we ride our bikes up the trail and come back. And that's okay because on um, we get ice cream when we're done riding. So I don't feel like I'm going to die when I ride because having sugar and all that stuff and all that crap in your system before you go back on a bike ride just kills you. So that's why it's good to have it at the end of the ride, not the halftime, if you will. I bet. But, but of course, folks, make sure you talk about today's show using the hashtag the Kill Podcast. But tweet us at what is it, Alex? Tweet at us. Go follow the Instagram page. Follow us on Facebook at The Keel Show. Make oh, sure you're following. Terrible. Make sure that on Facebook you are liking it. Make sure that you put on notifications. That way you see us first on your news feed. Put on the nice little dinger bell so you can Old find us bell. on Instagram. And make sure that you are finding out when we're posting, putting on stuff on the story, putting stuff on the page. If you haven't seen it yet, go check out the YouTube channel as well the keel show on youtube it's got all of our it old, has the well it has first of all brand has, new promo video that tyler just put up just today and also has all of our old tkp and tks ones that yes, are just does. absolutely cringeworthy just be thankful that we made a separate channel for video game shenanigans thank gosh because people would probably be offended but of course not offended we kept it clean no we did not okay we didn't <laughs> We kept it clean in the fact that we didn't say anything, say anything that should offend anybody. Yeah, more or less. Should being the keyword. Also, make sure you follow 12 Ounce Sports on Twitter at 12 Ounce Sports, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch as well, because that's where we'll be doing our live videos starting June the 29th, 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. That's our time slot. We may not go the full two and a half hours all the time, but we gave us plenty of time because this one here is about tickling two and a half hours given with the interviews and everything. So I mean, we probably have about, what, 30 minutes, 40 minutes? Hey, something? man, that's the best part about interviews. You have to do little talking, very little talking. It's awesome. I don't, at least. hey Well, hey, shoot, if you do the right interview, maybe bring in some guests on for that one, too. Some bigger names, maybe. We'll see. Maybe Bigger names. Thomas Biondo. <laughs> six time. Guess. Six time. Six time. Six time. Well, here's the thing time, now. Six well, time. Six time. Guest. Well, of course, Alex. Now that Harrison, Harrison Watt, f- four-time guest here on the Kiel Podcast, he lives in Grand Rapids. Now we could have him in studio. I don't know if he'd want to come in here, but hey. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know if his girlfriend will want us over there, so I think it'd be weird. We're not going to do the show at his apartment well, or home or whatever. Well, you think he's going to want to come? You just said he's not going to want to come over here. Why don't just call in? Because it's fun with more Call people. in, and then we'll meet up for beers have, or something. I have the technology. I'm not going out for a while, dude. <laughs> I'm still not. First of all, there's very techie rules around Grand Rapids on what and how you have to go to and borrow what, all that stuff. And B, there's going to be a lot of people anyways, and I just, like I said, Alex, if you don't want to go out, don't go out. Don't feel like going out. That's why we're ordering in tonight. What are we having for dinner? Dude, I don't know. I said brainstorm today. Uh, not pizza. Not pizza. I'm okay with that. I'll okay. allow that because I had a frozen pizza Sunday. You're disgusting. Hey, it was food. Kelly made a really good uh, chicken corn bean dish that she likes to make in the crock pot. That's really good, though. But she's not allowing anyone else to have it, except for me, if I ask. Okay. You'd like it. Probably. I had hot sauce, I mean, too. Probably. It's good. She's she's turned into quite the cook. She, I mean, then again, when Cooking she's... Cooking easy when you use a crock pot. Well, she does other stuff, too. Let's put it this way. There's a reason why she said, I am her Chandler to her Monica, because Monica just cooks all the time in Friends. And friends. You, you uh, lost me, Ty. Friends. I know the Matthew show. Perry's character and Courtney Cox's character. Okay. Yes. Courtney Cox's character cooks a lot. 
is a chef. Okay, didn't know that. Kelly was inspired by it. But now it's Big Bang Theory, so I'm going to have two shows she's obsessed about now, and I'm just going to have to just... At least Big Bang Theory's better. I am i don't know. I, they're both sitcoms. They're Man, both... At least it has funny pop culture references and actually they has, do, like, science. They do. They, okay. Science. They have to do that in Friends as well, but you just have to remember what the '90s were like, which you didn't, which I understand because you were too young, and I understand that. For me, though, I wasn't great. born yet. <laughs> Alex I was, was born in '98, the best year ever. Alex was Earnhardt won, and McGu- and and the, the Wings won, and McGuire and, and Sosa, and McGuire and Sosa. Which, by the way, Alex, Sunday night, if you want to come over. I'm going to be watching it. 30 for 30. Long Gone I'm Summer. Not, I'm not going to watch it. Come if on. anything, I'll just it's just, it's I'll a, just mooch off your ESPN Plus, and then I will watch it by myself. Watch, since you're mooch, if you want to mooch on it, the Bruce Lee 30 for 30 they just did. Be water. I don't care about Bruce Lee. What? Don't care. You know what? I, I do not care. You can go kick rocks. I like Bruce Lee. Oh, that's fine. He taught Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar how to fight. And I knew that before the 30 for 30. but Good. And Hulk Hogan taught Dennis Rodman how to swing a chair. Well, you know what? Are you sure Dennis Rodman didn't know how to do that beforehand? He played for the Pistons. Alex. Okay, fine. Then DDP taught Carl Malone how to do it. That I believe. Well, uh, yeah, mm. I believe. Yeah. Ca- Car- you know what Carl Malone looks like. I know Carl Malone is a loony. Beanstalk. He's, he's a loony, that's for sure. Anywho. People are just sending me stuff. Holy cats. My, let's Same. put it this way. Well... Well, since I released the video, there's been like my in- my new Instagram blowing up right now. Well, yeah, because you and you and Quest are gonna just have this massive collaboration. No, I'm not. Screw that. Oh, I thought you guys were. Oh, okay, my bad. I thought set you were. Who? It just seems like that's what is we set up for. It'd be kind of cool. It's easier for you guys to do collabs. Dad's like, oh, let's get the sponsorship with this, and I'm like, how are we gonna do a sponsorship with an outdoor channel? If, I, if I, it's gonna be a sponsorship. They're going to pay. <laughs> We're going to charge you extra. Everyone else is like, oh, just 10% off. We get whatever, the like we did with Seat Giant or whatever. Dad, $500 a month. We're going to charge him extra. I mean, free swag and... Wait, who gets free swag? We do. We or, do. Yeah, we get free swag yeah. and they pay us. They pay we'll us get, to wear the we'll swag. We'll get free swag and then uh, we'll pay them. And then we'll do like five bucks an episode. Boom. Five bucks an episode, so twenty bucks a month. Yeah, because most so months valid. are four weeks. Because then, well, at, actually, but then at, playoffs are up to two shows a week, and then so it'll the be end, like forty bucks a month. At then the end, and then at the then then at the end of every month, we'll just go out uh, and buy ourselves a dinner with the money. Yeah, and then oh. we get free swag, or we can get you know like a studio. No, we'll make our own studio. We'll just buy a lot. We'll put brick and a ceiling over it and a, and a nice little space heater and a table and insulate it and everything. It'll be great. Yeah, no. That's that's enough of that. <laughs> it's just, listen, it's very minor blueprints. It's literally just a square saying this is what it's going to look like. I would rather build a shed in the woods. I don't know if we can get good Wi-Fi out there, but we can give it a shot. <laughs> I would rather build a shed in the woods. Then find some plot. No, lot. Not a plot. I mean, we will need a plot because we'll... Ah, yes. This is what we'll do. We'll just go into Lowe's parking lot, take a couple spots towards the back, throw down some bricks, and then see if they have Wi-Fi. What's the Wi-Fi password? Brick. (laughs) Brick. How do you spell it? You have to figure it out. Never would have guessed it. Brick. Brick. 
B R I C K, right? B underscore dollar sign R U plus W C K Y division sign brick. Ick. Brick. That's what it's going to look like. The dollar sign is silent. The dollar sign is silent. There's no brick. Ching, Rick. Not the underscore, though. There is a gap. Brick. But. Ick. Oh, God. Yeah. Please don't start with that with the with the loud, obnoxious noises. <laughs> I feel like Kelly's going to probably bust the door and punch somebody. Yonk. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. No, so Cooper actually said, "Hey, what are you doing?" Like he, because Cooper is apparently bored today. Cooper Widenthaler, by the way, one of the SIDs we have at Davenport. We've all hung out together and stuff. And he's like, oh, "I'm bored." And Kelly took my phone and said, "Kelly says you can come over as long as you bring food as compensation." Haven't heard a text back yet. <laughs> I think Cooper comes. I, th- I, th- I think the stipulation should have been. The fact that he's not allowed to make a bunch of random noises. Also, I think like me and Cooper, we just fed off each other that entire night. Thomas it was great. Thomas is the same way with Cooper. When Thomas spent the weekend up here, Cooper came over. I think it was on my birthday. They were the same way. Cooper just has that. Listen, Cooper got the job that I wanted. I'm probably more better acquainted with Cooper than I am with the other two SIDs. Well, yeah, because the other two are your superiors. That's kind of how that works. Well, well, technically, all three of them are, but just Cooper and I get along better. Then again, we just like getting yelled at and stuff. What? I'm just saying. Okay, let's put it this way. My superior superior, I get along with better than one of the other SIDs. Yeah. I'm not I'm not naming names because I don't know if I can reveal information. Yeah, Paul Loudon's a good guy. I love... Hey, Paul Loudon, all-time leading scorer at Fair State history. Wait for that royalties check there, Paul. I should email Paul just to see, hey, Paul, are we going to have a season next year? Yes. Are you just saying that, or do you know? I don't, I don't know. Are you just hoping that's what Paul's going to say? I haven't talked to him in a bit. Have you talked to Greener yet? Huh? Tried to. <sighs> I'll text him. I sent him an email. Well, that's probably why. He doesn't look at me. I don't have his phone number. I'll give his phone number. I know it off the top of my head. I'm not going to say it because we're on a live, we're on a doing podcasting. Hey, sit, seven, four, three. No. Before I, probably before I disclose. That's a weird area code. Is that Colorado? Colorado. I don't know if it's fly. No, his number is a grab his number, even though he's from Florida and stuff like that. Anyways. Really? He's a Florida man? Yes. He's from. Ah. Uh, <laughs> why do you think he's a big Tampa fan, Alex? By pure luck? I don't know he's a Tampa fan. Oh, hey, he's a Tampa fan, by the way. Tortorella, I'm pretty sure is his idol. Just remember that. Yeah, I can see that, though. Yeah. The I, slick back hair and the the goatee that he's had. The for, mouth. The mouth. <laughs> the the mouth. verbiage. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But say I, I am Brooksy. Sometimes I do interviews with them. It's great. Anyways, it's probably a good way to end the show, Alex. Even though I'm pretty sure you know what it's like to end a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part timer. Yeah, Brock Lesnar of hosting. Yeah, I went there. I said it. John Cena of hosting. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other part timers. Goldberg. No, Goldberg only came back for like like a week. So yeah, Brock Lesnar of hosting, John Cena of hosting. I don't get. Paid we can't to be see Brock you, Alex. Lesner. We can't see you. Well, nobody can. This is a podcast. Well, in three weeks, we're not. Well, hope we hopefully we see you, but there may be some nights we're not going to see you. Six to eight thirty Mondays, starting June 29th. Twelve on Sports Network. Count it. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.